Come here. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Um, I kind of like got caught up in something right before the show, so I'm actually still adding everybody, but I did bring on EJ already. Um, EJ has his own show, actually. You know, EJ, go ahead and introduce yourself again and tell them about your show while I get other people added to the call. Oh, sweet. Um, yes, uh, my name's EJ. As he told you, I, I do have a show. I'm like a, I'm the the nugget of the group, like I like to say, new guy. I'm still learning the ins and outs of this radio show. But basically, my radio show, I only do about 30 minutes, and it's basically talk about uh, subjects that, you know, just come to mind. Like last week we were talking about educating yourself. Um, if, you, if you're looking me up on the, uh, I guess it's um, Earl Johnson is my, my name on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And um, you can look up the last show, and I have one coming up, I guess, this Sunday. I'm going to try to do is called uh, 9-11 uh, Demolition or Collapse. or um, Excuse me, Collapse or Demolition, actually. So, and... The way we want to go with that is I don't want any um, conspiracy theories or anything like that. What we want to do is we want to um, just use science, science, basically, like really break it down to what happened scientifically. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff I like to just talk about random things and hope people catch on. Yeah, it's uh, you know I participated in some of your earlier shows, and they were very good. Um, what I generally tell people in regards to the 9-11 thing is that, you know, it's uh, – because it's such a polarizing issue and it alienates people one way or the other, one thing I can usually get people to agree to, though, is that um, even the people who really hate conspiracy theories will agree that there was an obvious conspiracy by elements of the Bush administration to utilize 9-11 to get us into Iraq under no pretext at all. Um, And if you focus on that, you know, it's still really, you know, obvious that there's, there's a problem there. And and people can agree with that, and I, I tend to just kind of stick with that nowadays because, yeah, I, I have questions, um, but I tend to lean more in the direction that Congressman Ron Paul did, which is that he thinks that if there was any kind of cover-up going on, it was probably cover-ups of people doing really stupid things, you know, that ended up, you know, being very negligent. Um, one person drew a parallel once along that line that kind of stuck out to me was that when Pearl Harbor happened, um people you know people got in a lot of trouble you know? uh, several generals got fired from what i remember i mean people got dressed down whereas nobody really got punished for what happened in 911 um, right exactly and that means at least it meant to congressman paul that uh people were probably uh, covering up um just you know getting caught with their pants down in one way or another right so, right um but Anyway, go ahead. It, oh no, no, no. Yeah, I was just saying. No, no. Even regardless, it's still it was still a tragic thing, though. You know, it's, it sucks. Either way, it went. Whether it was like um, um, quote unquote airplanes crashing into the top of the building by you know the same people who try to light their shoes on fire and wear underwear bombs, or um, whether it was a government issue thing, which I which you know. I have my own thoughts and things, you know, my own thoughts and about it, but it's just, regardless, it's just a tragic, uh, um, a tragedy. And basically where I want to go with this, I want to 
clear the air and show the people that that it was actually, you know, a demolition. The the whole the the, the uh, politics behind it, you know, going into war. I don't want to touch that. I just want to stick to well, the buildings fell at free fall. That means that if in fact what the th- the theory is that the diesel fuel weakened the the steel structures on the 80th floor or whatever, it caused the building to fall in 10 seconds. You know, and my mind of physics says, oh, my gosh, that doesn't make any sense because that means it meant no resistance. Right. So, well, yeah. No, I, and I, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I just don't want to get that far off topic on that particular issue on this show. Um, oh, exactly. And uh, Chibi um, is just finally joined the call. Welcome uh, once again, Chibi, to V Radio. Hey. Um, today's show is going to be kind of a two-part show. Uh, I was, I had a lot of feedback that caused me to decide to schedule a show about the first topic that's a bit controversial, apparently, even within the movement as to whether or not we should be talking about it. And unfortunately, I had already scheduled the segment and it made promises that I would do stuff with it before, you know, anybody had voiced their problems with me talking about it. So... Um, the show is on, and I'm going to go ahead and, and read the blog that I did. It's important to me to tell people that, um, and uh, I'm sorry, I had forgotten to activate our chat room, and that will be active here in just a second. Um, but uh, it's important to people to understand that after we've kind of said our hurrah about this in this show, I don't really intend to bring this topic up anymore. Um, I want to kind of stick to a, uh, just, and, and when we do talk about it, let's, you know, it, let's not engage anybody or, or throw any fingers at people about it. Let's just kind of stick to the, the final point that I bring up in my blog, which you guys can read along with by going to vradio.org, v-radio.org. And um, I'll be reading from that today, and then we'll be discussing that issue in the first segment. Um, I can't guarantee it'll go the whole hour. In the second segment, things get to be much more bright and cheery because we get to talk about our review of Zeitgeist moving forward. And I posted a link to people to state that I would like, um, sorry, that I would like them to call in, you know, and give their experiences seeing the new film. I was able to see the new film um, thanks to just, I guess, kind of being a Zeitgeist journalist. I said that I wanted to review it. I had actually had access to it and wanted to review it before it was released to kind of give an idea just to, you know, to people of what they could come to expect to help them get excited. That was my original goal. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of things came up and I was not able to do that. But um, in any case, um, I did, however, uh, watch the film and thoroughly enjoyed it. And that is what we will be dealing with in the second segment of our film, our film, our show today. Uh, so... Anyway, uh, if you want to get involved in the chat, you may have to refresh the page um, to the link that you went to, because otherwise it won't open by itself, because I didn't have it open before you got here. So, anyway, um, for those of you who don't know Chibi, Chibi's been on my show many times in the past. He's a great contributor. He and I went to Venus, Florida together, actually, in a really long road trip. I got to know him and uh, Matthew Wagner from Ohio really well, and Sue Wagner. You know, there's a shout-out to you guys. Who generally listen, um, and uh, that was basically what I was getting with that. And uh, yeah, people are saying in the chat, maybe I was going to think there was something wrong with my browser. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with your browser. I just uh, was in a rush to get on the show today, so um, as a result, things were not done as well as you come to expect here at V Radio. 
nice. I'm a, I apologize for that. You guys can all take turns whipping me later if it makes you feel better. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into this blog. And uh, once again, you know, you guys can see this blog by going to vradio.org. And uh, what I did with this is I, I researched it. Um, and I, I researched it from multiple angles, so and and I finally came to a conclusion after looking at all of it that the, the stuff that's being spun in the media about it is just an example of the political system desperately throwing this hot potato of an issue around, hoping that they can blame it on somebody else. So let me go ahead and get started. Um, to scroll down here. <laughs> Because I actually posted, I also have a second blog entry that we'll be reading from, which is my uh, review of Zeitgeist, which is actually on the page right now. So I have to pull up the blog that I'm talking about. But in the meantime, um, before we get, actually, hold on just a second. I apologize, folks. Let's go here and I'll pull it up. But, um, in any case, uh, you know, don't forget to visit my website, vradio.org, and uh, there you will see my must-see TV list, my, which is a list of free documentaries you can watch on the Internet, my archive section, which has hours and hours of programming um, based around this direction, and also you know, just the other benefits that are there, the links to other radio shows like this one that I would suggest you give your support to, such as EJ's. Uh, Rick Wolford's Z Radio, uh, a lot of other good radio shows that I'm trying to get out there. And that actually reminds me, we're, we're once again trying to get the Zeitgeist Global Radio Station going. That'll be a Shoutcast server, and I'll get into that at another time. But uh, make sure you check out uh, ZMUK Radio as well with Terry God. It's an excellent radio show, and um, God is in G-A-D-D. I probably said that wrong, but he plays a lot of Creative Commons music of really great quality, and he's also just got a pleasant voice, you know, just really cool to listen to. I throw him on whenever he's on. You have to check out his schedule, um, which I have in a forum post, actually, about the, the show that I did with Terry to talk about his radio show. So without further ado, um, exposing the connection between Gerald Loeffner and the Zeitgeist Films. When terrible things happen, people do their best to make sense of them. We are desperate to find answers to the question of why. So why did Jared Loeffner buy a gun and shoot Congressman Gabrielle Giffords? Why did he then turn and shoot everyone in sight, including a nine-year-old child? Recently, Fox News interviewed someone named Zachary Osler, who claims to have been friends with Loeffner, and this is what he brings to us, or brings to talking to us with the following quote, I really think that this Zeitgeist documentary had a profound impact upon Gerald Loeffner's mindset and how he viewed the world that he lives in. Fox went on to elaborate that Zeitgeist's series of films rallied on currency-based economics. They also pointed out that this fellow had not spoken to Loeffner in about two years, meaning it's highly possible that Loeffner had never seen Zeitgeist addendum and obviously never would have had a chance to see Zeitgeist moving forward before these attacks. But even the first Zeitgeist film did not condone or even suggest violence. Initially, when this tragedy went down, the right-wing conservative Tea Party movement and their extreme views were blamed. There was one place where the libertarian movement and Zeitgeist intersected. And that was the portion of the first film about the Federal Reserve. I myself learned about the Zeitgeist films because a lot of people who were supporters of Congressman Ron Paul 
suggested that part of the film to explain the Federal Reserve's origins. This portion of the film is also what put Zeitgeist on the government's radar, as we have seen law enforcement documents that link the first film to militia movements and other organizations suspected of possible terrorist activity. Since then, Peter Joseph went on to make the film Zeitgeist Addendum and now Zeitgeist Moving Forward, which both take a stance that is vastly different than the free market economical ideas um, advocated by libertarianism, uh, libertarians, right-wing conservatives, and the Tea Party movement. In fact, both of these later films are highly critical of the free market ideology, and rightly so. Anyone who has actually taken the time to watch the Zeitgeist film series knows that there is nothing in any of these movies that suggests violence as a means to achieve political ends. Point of fact, the Venus Project, which the Zeitgeist movement is the activist arm of, openly condemns violence or coercion as a tool to reach any social goals. Not only because it is immoral and wrong to engage in such activity, but because it doesn't even work. Acts of violence are a great way to cast your views in a negative light, and that is exactly what is happening here. The difference is nobody in the Zeitgeist movement or affiliated in any way with the Venus Project committed these acts of violence. They are being falsely attributed to the Zeitgeist films and therefore the movement itself. The right-wing conservative movement is now seizing an opportunity to save itself by pointing the finger squarely at the Zeitgeist films. Rush Limbaugh, in all of his bluster, had this to say. It wasn't just Zeitgeist, according to reports. Loeffner's favorites included little-known conspiracy documentaries such as Zeitgeist and Loose Change, as well as Donnie Darko and A Scanner Darkly. Now Zeitgeist is a 2007 documentary that asserts Jesus Christ is a myth, that 9-11 was orchestrated by the government, and the bankers manipulated the international monetary system and the media in order to consolidate power. So a conspiracy movie put together by deranged leftists, it turns out, appears to be, according to this, uh, to his best friend, the most influential media of this young man's life. See the liberties they take with that? Limbaugh's other statements basically go to blame the whole thing on the left. In typical fashion, we watch as the people who are still duped into believing that being right or left actually means something point fingers at each other in desperation, hoping to use tragedy to sway public opinion against their opposition. This, of course, goes both ways. The left was very quick to point, point the finger at the right as well, which is what provoked Limbaugh's response in the first place. So let's break this down a bit further. Does it even make sense that someone supposedly inspired by leftist conspiracy nuts would take a mind to shooting a Democratic congresswoman? Considering the Democratic Party is deeply rooted in the left? Obviously, that's silly. In the recent 2010 election, Congressman Giffords was a political target for the right-wing Tea Party movement. This is where the infamous crosshairs pictures associated with Sarah Palin and her political action committee came from. On the website, there was crosshairs over a picture of Giffords along with other members of the Democratic Party in Congress. The Tea Party rallied in support of her opponent in the race, a Republican by the name of Jesse Kelly. So again, why would someone inspired by extreme leftist views decide to shoot her? It is true that the Zeitgeist, first Zeitgeist film was very critical of the government, but that is not something that by any means is exclusive to the left. As I previously pointed out, I found out about the first Zeitgeist film because of my previous deep involvement with the right. Loose change is not what I would call left-wing. In fact, the filmmakers work closely with Alex Jones, who is quite obviously on the right, and advocate a free, uh, an, an, I'm sorry, an advocate of free market ideology who frequently has Congressman Ron Paul and the new Senator Rand Paul on his show. 9-11 truth is not right or left. There are people on both sides who have this interest. 
Zeitgeist Addendum is a film that is critical not only of governments but of corporations and the monetary system itself. It goes after the bankers and then it goes after money and the profit motive. It then goes on to suggest that war, corruption, poverty, etc. are all caused directly or indirectly through the use of money. It strongly advised that people look into the renewable energy sources and ecologically sound practices. These messages are also conveyed through the Venus Project. First, let's take a look at the reported political views of one Gerald Loeffner. Gerald Loeffner was really big on the Constitution. In a video called Introduction, Gerald Loeffner, he writes, No, I won't pay debts with currency that is not backed by gold and silver. In his YouTube video series, he seems to go back and forth between the idea that we should bring back the gold standard and the idea that people should just make their own currency. His videos are largely full of rambling. At no point has he ever suggested a resource-based economy as proposed by the Zeitgeist Movement. The idea of returning a gold to a gold standard is highly popular in circles on the right. Ron Paul and his followers have spoken highly of such an idea. The idea of getting rid of the Federal Reserve is a very popular in that circle. A gold standard, however, is not at all suggested in Zeitgeist Addendum or Zeitgeist Moving Forward, neither is the idea of making one's own currency. I don't believe there's anything about the gold standard in the first Zeitgeist film either. We advocate using technology to evolve mankind before the need, uh, basically uh, beyond the need of currency, basically to educate, advocate using technology to evolve mankind beyond the need for currency or monetary exchange at all. Fox News claimed it had seen a Department of Homeland Security memo which said Gerald Lee Loeffner, 22, had its ties to American Renaissance, which is a staunchly anti-immigration, anti-government, and anti-Semitic. Arizona Republican Gabrielle Giffords, the target of the mass killing, is the first Jewish female elected to such a high position in the U.S. government. She was also up opposite the group's ideology when it came to immigration debate, according to the DHS memo. But there is not a shred of anything racist, much less anti-Semitic, in any of the Zeitgeist films. The Zeitgeist movement seeks a world that will eventually be without borders and obviously has no issue, therefore, with immigration policy. And I want to point out, it also values an egalitarian society where all races are equal. I mean, it's, it's anti-racist, absolutely. So taking all of this into account, let's look for a moment at what kind of congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords was. She was given a progressive left score of 41 out of 100 by That's My Congress due to her voting record. She was only given a conservative rating of 11 out of 100. Again, this is not making a good case for the idea that some evil leftist documentary convinced someone to kill her. Most of her voting record was fairly typical politician. She supported a lot of centrist views, but was really big on one issue that was very important to most members of the Zeitgeist movement, renewable energy. She voted in favor and sponsored several bills in support of renewable energy and always praises efforts of various government agencies to switch to renewable energy. This is a statement from her website. I believe we need to move towards energy independence, both for our national security and for the safety of our planet. That is why my sixth vote in the 110th Congress was in support of H.R. 6, was to repeal subsidies for oil companies and invest those funds in renewable energy. As a member of the House Committee on Science and Technology it's, and its Subcommittee of Energy and Environment, I remain committed to making energy independence one of my top priorities in Congress. Ending America's addiction to foreign oil, investing in renewable energy, especially solar, and achieving any, energy, um, any, I'm sorry, achieving energy independence is the Apollo mission of our generation. The U.S. Energy Information Administration states that Arizona's large desert areas offer the highest solar power potential in America. Amer Arizona has over 300 days of sunshine every year 
And according to the U.S. Department of Energy, we have, we have the potential to produce over 150% of our state's energy demand with solar energy. Solar energy is clean, safe, and noiseless. However, we currently only get less than 1% of our energy from solar power. We should do much more to make Southern Arizona the solar con, um, solar con Valley of the nation. I have introduced two bills in Congress to make the vision a reality and develop my community solar energy initiative, a four-point plan to promote solar energy, including legislation, education, and outreach, accountability, and transparency, and a solar energy advisory committee. I am determined to lead America in energy independence. I support a goal of 20% renewable energy by use, uh, use by 2020, increasing fuel economy standards for our vehicles to save drivers money at the pump, lessen our dependence on foreign oil and reduce air pollution and greenhouse gases, increasing and extending federal tax credits for homeowners of businesses who install solar panels, encouraging the development of fuels like ethanol and biofuels, increasing research and development for renewable energy such as solar, wind, and geothermal. The road to energy independence will take co cooperation and leadership at the local, state, and federal levels of government. I am committed to working across the aisle to make it possible for our children and grandchildren to enjoy a clean, healthy environment in our beautiful state of Arizona and across the nation. Now, I'm sorry to have to read all of that, but I think it kind of hammers the point down that this lady was really into renewable energy. On that same website, pictures of solar panels decorate the top mar margin. I would point out that her support for renewable energy projects is directly in line with the principles of the Venus Project and the Zeitgeist Movement would be nice if she could catch up on issues like the Iraq War, with, though she does support a reasonable time frame for withdrawal, but not an immediate one. In short, I see no reason at all why anyone influenced by any of the Zeitgeist films would hate this woman, let alone want to shoot her. It's pretty clear on the right that the, the, the people on the right didn't like her politics. So what motives do we have that are likely? Well, for one... Loftner was known as obsessed with lucid dreaming and did, not, and did a lot of hallucinogenic drugs. Friends of his stated that he used a lot of salvia, and an ex-girlfriend recently interviewed stated that he used hallucinogenic mushrooms. He was extremely into the idea that people could mold their own reality, and therefore showed a lot of signs of being out of touch with it. People stated that he had an interest in rocking the boat and pushing people's buttons. Supposedly, this is why he listed Mein Kampf as one of his favorite books. He apparently had a lot of problems with authority in general, and like many people who have gone down that road, he also seemed to feel like uh, that of the authority of reality itself should not apply to him. For this reason, Gerald Loeffner's crime can exist without a tangible motive, meaning that whatever he may have dreamed up in his head could have been the cause. His shattered sense of reality could have produced any number of reasons that did not in any way have to adhere to logic. As Peter Joseph stated in his own statement on the matter, the real culprit here is the system that creates these people. In conclusion, I'm sure many of you have heard me say in the show and in my blogs that the right and left paradigm is a distraction. As people rush to point the fingers at the opposing side in the situations like this, the real root causes will forever be lost to most people. The right will continue to say it is the fault of the left, the left will continue to say it is the fault of the right, when the real culprit is the elephant in the room the problems that both the right and the left ignore or leave out of their ideologies. And like many other situations just like this, the truth of the matter will be buried underneath layer and layer of propaganda. Forever blinded by their need to gain rank over their opposition, reality of these situations is a casualty of war, the war for your mind. In exposing this connection, as the media has called it, we find no connection at all. Being said, one of my panelists is uh, ready to be added, and I'm going to go ahead and um, turn the mic over to Chibi. Um, do you want to comment on what you've seen so far or what you've heard so far? 
I pretty much agree with everything you said. Uh, it's really hard to add anything at this point. Just following along. What about you, EJ? Uh, I'm on? Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay, I had to make sure I unmuted my mic correctly. Um, well, I mean, really, all I have to say is, like, you know, first of all, the, the biggest thing is that the Zeitgeist movement never says, okay, you know, uh, you know, the government's jacked up, and go get a gun and shoot somebody. You know, it. I, I, I've watched it a couple times, uh, Addendum, and I don't recall ever seeing anything about that. Um, I didn't really feel the urge from any kind of subliminal messages to want to go and be very violent or anything. I mean, it's it's just, like you said, they're just trying to find something to blame it on. They don't want to blame themselves. And that's what it is. The, 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 the finger is really pointing at them, but if they can get um, if they can get the, the, the focus pointed on something like the zeitgeist movement, which is a, a budding, you know, coming up, then, you know, they can try to nip it in the bud. I really think that, um, it's that that's really all it is. It's like, like you said earlier, it's just a, 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 some sort of political ploy. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what we've done. So, so, uh, extraordinary to make people hate the zeitgeist movement i mean really what yep that's very true um mr tuskin i'm sorry that we didn't get around to adding you until after i was finished reading were you able to listen to my blog as we went i was not but fr from what i can gather it, it's in reference to this shooting and them trying to spin it and bring zeitgeist and the movement into it am i wrong that's correct, actually. Yeah. Okay, well, let me just first start off by mentioning, and I'll, I'll keep this brief because I want to get a little more context before I go any deeper. I did cover this issue on my show. On my website, on the front page, we have the response from Peter Joseph after you sent that to me privately, Neil. I, I read over it, um, and I think the logic is sound, and I absolutely am appalled every time I hear the word zeitgeist mentioned in conjunction with this story first thing right off the bat that comes uh, to mind is that this is an appeal to um, the, uh, I'm sorry, this is a, a fallacy uh, w in which they're trying to use the, the guilt by association fallacy um, and trying to draw this uh, zeitgeist movement and whatnot into this. Uh, and it's clear to all of us that, you know, any murderer um, that is out there they don't get publicity, let's say, if they're a Republican, or they won't get that same publicity, let's say, if they are a Christian. No, these people don't get publicity for those reasons. But if they happen to watch the film on Zeitgeist or you know something like that, then it gets publicity. And we have to ask, why? Who's behind this? We know the mainstream media is complicit in their manipulating of perception. And we know that the, the government is also, in, in a sense, involved with this. And when I say the government, obviously I'm not talking about the whole thing. I'm talking about a compartmentalized element of propaganda and mind control. And this a possible Manchurian candidate, uh, this possible plant, Jared Lohner, who's taking the obsession of, of the, the media once again, we all have to be skeptical of this, and I'm sure most of your listeners are, Neil. Yeah, that's very true, and that's you know it's it's almost kind of <laughs> the the funny thing you know honestly the, the the part about this that I felt was the most telling was that the people who actively have been opposing the movement just embraced this 
even though any kind of actual looking at it closely reveals that it's just kind of a straw man fallacy. Um, there's, you know, in fact, I remember not long ago a little bit of a confrontation I had on Twitter with somebody from our, uh, you know, one of the blogs that has a problem with Zeitgeist, and he he flat out admitted that he knew that there was nothing in the films that you know, would influence anybody to be violent, but because he doesn't like the zeitgeist movement, he's going to milk it for everything he can. You know, and this is the same person who's highly critical of anything conspiracy theory-oriented, but he's totally okay with, you know, running around actively spreading lies. You know, and that's... The the reason that that's relevant, and and kind of one of the things that is the reason I keep talking about the film I'm making about trolls, is that it's important to understand that we need to learn from these things. If something bad happens, so let's let's instead of just allowing our emotions to engage, let's engage our minds. What have we learned from the way these things get spun? You know, what have we learned from the the, the total lack of reality? I mean, it's like you know, if this guy, because like if you saw the way Rush Limbaugh spun it, it was this was clearly the most important thing to him is the way they str- you know twisted what the guy said. Um, you know, even though all they said was this this kid had this opinion, but they can't find anything from Gerald Loeffner saying it, or it would be everywhere. You know, the guy's got, you know, he had blogs, he had websites, he had a Facebook, he had YouTube videos. None of his YouTube videos said anything about Zeitgeist. They had, the, well, when you could even get through them, because they're really rambling and random, I mean... That's why I said at the end, it's like the guy's brain was Swiss cheese. He could have watched Puff the Magic Dragon and decided that was a reason to shoot a congresswoman by that point. They're just, you know, it's, but, and so that's why I say, you know, we could point fingers a little bit here and there. I, you know, and I don't have, like, any side of the issue to point fingers at. I don't, you know, there are problems on the left and on the right that are not being addressed. But it's pretty clear that he was into the gold standard. So you go find those people. What do they think? And we're definitely not under the gold standard, you know. Um, and and that's like it. And then the problem is, is that there because of the fact that everything in his brain is so discombobulated. That's why people need to look at the real cause. Is that at the stage of destruction of this guy's perception of reality? That's why I said anything, anything could have done it. it I mean, it, anything at all. I mean, that's it's it's funny to me also how. People are ready, like you said, to make, you know, distinctions about something like, you know, they wouldn't have said that he was a Republican. They did try to say it was, you know, the right and the Tea Party and all that. But, you know, people go out and kill people because of stuff they read in the Bible. You know, nobody jumps on that. You know, they don't they don't spin that in a negative way ever because it's obvious, I guess, to them that, you know, even though the Bible has all kinds of violence in it, um, that, you know, that it's a message of peace and therefore, you know, with, you know, you're just wrong. You know, it's, that's, that's one of the dangers of propaganda. And that's why I say, you know, beyond just the issue of dealing with the Gerald Loeffner thing, members of the zeitgeist movement need to recognize this as kind of a textbook example of the way propaganda works. Because we all know, I mean, when you look at it, we talk about a world with, you know, that's totally pacifistic in nature. Why, why would we ever, you know, you, you read Jack Fresco's book does not advocate coercion or force for any purpose. And and then it comes back to, like I said earlier in the blog, it, it's also just a matter of it doesn't even work. You know, in fact, it's the best way to discredit everything you believe. The Unabomber's beliefs, nobody talks about the stuff that he wanted everybody to read. They just talk about, you know, that he killed people. Uh, that guy, I mean, remember the show we did about that fellow who flew his plane into the side of the IRS building? You know, I said, well, you know, I understand his frustrations. I read his 
his you know his parting statement on the air and all of that. And then I also understand that because he did this, everything he said is immediately discredited. Everything that he believed or, or wanted to thumb his nose up at or whatever with his statement of flying a plane into a building, all of it was an absolute automatic, well, you just killed any credibility that your gripes had. You know, this is why terrorism doesn't work. I mean, and not if you're looking to get any kind of positive reaction out of anybody, if you're getting anybody to seriously consider what you're doing. Well, well, Neil, if I, if I may add to that about the terrorism, terrorism actually, if you don't mind, do you? No, no, by all means, oh. that's why we have a panel. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, um, the terrorism, it, 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 it works perfectly, whether it's uh, uh, a real thing or a false entity, it doesn't matter. You scare people to, to, to thinking that somebody might be sitting in your backyard whether to put a napalm up your butthole. You're going to want um, body scanners. You're going to want um, metal detectors in the school. You know, you're going to want all of this stuff. Um, terrorism, it, I, I mean, really, my first time really ever hearing of terrorism, of course, was uh, after 9-11. You know, before that, what was terrorism? I, I didn't know what terrorism was. You know, you had the, the Columbine shooting. Oh, those are just crazy kids, you know, and all this other school shootings going on. It was and, still there. It just wasn't called terrorism. Yeah, exactly. But now when you put when you tie a, a name to it, guess what? Oh, uh, you know, Zeitgeist, uh, this John, whatever his name is. Oh, terrorism. And then like once you once they link that all together, it doesn't matter what the truth is. No, everyone's going to automatically associate Zeitgeist with terrorism. And they're not even going to want to go look at it for themselves. That's like telling the uh, telling a, you know, uh, 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 a nun to go study Satanism, you know. Well, they they have weak minds, uh, and if I may interject a few things here, you know that sort of mind control is so prevalent. It's traumatism, uh, is a better word perhaps than terrorism, uh, and they're trying to get at our most fundamental aspect of being. That is the the desire to have abundance of life. And if I may, for a moment. Uh, start to associate uh, this to a, a little bit of the scarcity-based price system, you know, this money monetary system that we take for granted a lot of people do. Not, I know the people listening to this show don't take for granted. The same gold standard that this Jared Lohner reportedly believed in that's absolutely opposite of the progression of, of any peace-loving individual who follows the ideas and principles that are presented in the zeitgeist movement and so on. Um, you know, this, this basic fundamental, you know, mindset of being in this state of fear, they know that this can affect us in a way in which they can uh, sort of use this trauma-based mind control to affect our ability to think straight, and that's what it does. It totally clouds our vision and and just it does it in the same way uh, that scarcity in general clouds our perception and I've used this example on the show many times but Pavlov he's most famous for the te the th thing he did with dogs but he also did a test with chickens in which he provided the chickens with an abundance of food and water so whenever they were hungry they'd go to the feeder and there would be food or water there and they'd go eat it and it would always be there in abundance well when he introduced scarcity of that food and water, their behaviors changed. Only then did they start to hoard and steal and whatnot. So they were able to be manipulated because of their 
scarcity or the, the, their at least perception of scarcity and human beings are being manipulated in the same fashion because ultimately the most scarce thing is our lives. We, we all die. Um, and um, some of us are religious and that's great, but obviously that's been used as a pretext to mind control to have no accountability for what's going on here now in reality. Yep, I agree. That's funny. I've told that chicken story many times, and I got it from the time that I was on your show. Go ahead, EJ. Oh, no, I was just going to agree with him. Like, you know, it, it seems like instead of um, worrying about our future, we're worried about the apocalypse more so. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to, to, to that final statement he made. And it's like, wow, okay, uh, why? Well, the end, the end is near. The end is near. And that's going to depress a lot of people. People aren't going to want to... They, they they automatically assume they have no future, but you know that that was just on that that last uh, comment. I'm done though. Sorry. No problem. Now, Chibi, did you have anything to say about anything that's been said so far? Uh, well, yeah. Whenever EJ made his uh, point about uh, terrorism being effective, I, th- I think he was responding to something you said about it not being effective, and maybe there was a misunderstanding there that uh, violence can be dreadfully effective. Uh, at controlling people and, uh, you know, repressing people. But what we were talking about, or what you were talking about, I believe, was that violence isn't effective when it comes to, you know, uh, positive outcomes. Yeah, so, you, can get them to, yeah. you can get them to uh, right. obey you, but you can't get them to believe Right, you. right, right. <laughs> and that's, like, I, that's why fascism doesn't work, you know, because as soon as they get a chance, you're gone, you know. It, it as soon as they get an opportunity to throw you out. And that's, um, aside from the fact that it's wrong, it, it doesn't work. It, it It's proven not to work. I mean, you can control their actions, but you can cannot control their minds. You know, and I guarantee you, it's just, I mean, when you think about the, the dangers of association that come out of these things, okay, and that's, it's just like I, if you remember from the cult show that I did, all the connotations of the word cult and what goes along with that. I brought up the way that the word Democrat conjures up socialist, followed by communist, and then followed by fascist. That's what Democrat means, you know, when you talk about it in certain circles. You know, and, I mean, it's not to say that that doesn't happen the other way. Republican is associated with imperialistic foreign policy and, you know, all kinds of stuff, even though, yeah, there are a lot of Republicans who feel that way, that doesn't automatically make it so. Like Ron Paul is an example of a Republican who doesn't appreciate imperialist foreign policy at all. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of an example of why I tell people that this is this is kind of a an exercise in, in figuring out, um, you know, and that was kind of what I was pointing out, you know, as far as you, you're correct in the correction, GB, in that my point was to say that for our goals, and what our goals are is to give people an an alternative ideology that will help mankind. Shooting people is not going to get people to listen to that. So, you know, we want the world to be a peaceful, loving place, so we're going to shoot congresswomen who like renewable energy, even though we do too. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't even make rational sense. And mind you, the guy's insane. So... I guess it doesn't have to make rational sense, but it needs to make rational sense if you're going to discredit anybody or any system or any ideology or any idea based on that guy's behavior. And that's 
that's the part of this that is not getting talked about, obviously, in the media. They, they touched on rails on currency-based economics. That's all they said because that's what they needed. They needed to say rails on currency-based economics because then they can go play Gerald Loeffner's videos talking about currency and then go, you see, where did he get that idea? You know, and the problem is, is that obviously all of his solutions were not us because he wouldn't have been making videos about making your own currency or or insisting that we follow the Constitution's gold and silver requirements, because that's clearly not us. And those are recent videos. This guy talked to this guy like two hours, you know, two years ago. And the other thing that I tend to bring up to people, because we've had a lot of problems recently where uh, all anybody wants to talk about is Zeitgeist 1 Part 1. That's all I want to talk about, which has nothing to do with the resource-based economy, has nothing to do with the Venus Project, but they'll tell you they don't like the resource-based economy because they don't like Zeitgeist 1 Part 1, which has nothing to do with any of it. And it's it's irrational thinking, period. <laughs> you know, there's it's, it's like you can't just discredit everything anybody says. You know, I mean, you could say, well, there are aspects of the Constitution I don't like, so I want to throw it out the window. Well, wait a minute. Before you go that far, you just gave up your freedom of speech. You know, exactly. the, people don't, yeah, they don't, think about the, the totality of it and it's one of the things I'm, I'm learning in my studies and it's funny that you said traumatism and because that's something that gets covered in Zeitgeist moving forward is that we really are susceptible to abuse being a, a tool of control. The human mind is very susceptible to that and that's, that's what I'm planning to push on in Troll is to point out to people with my film using samples of different conversations I've seen between trolls and people and using videos of people talking about it and stuff to try to point to the fact that, you know, like when, when, we, did this show, when we did the show Inside the Mind of a Troll, that troll flat out stated that he was using techniques utilized by the military to brainwash people into being killers. Sire. Re oh, okay. Repeated rhythmic insult. That's what he called it. But, uh, uh, drill drill sergeants use that. I mean, we know pro. that, but what's that? COINTELPRO. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is he didn't even, like, make any bones about it. That was what he flat out said. I didn't have to take him out of context. So think about that, folks. That's what this is all about. And that's um, another thing that's kind of relevant to the way that the media will throw things at you is, uh, and the funny, you know, is that trolls aren't even necessarily actual people sometimes, I just watched this documentary that I highly advise people to check out. It's called AstroTurf, um, AstroTurf Wars. And it's a little bit too heavy on the left side. I mean, it's not very objective. But the guy had enough actual footage of people on the right telling people to do things. Like, you know, there was actual footage of them. Like, he infiltrated a meeting pretending to be on the right um, where, they, where the Tea Party guy was suggesting to everybody that, okay, and now we're going to talk about Internet activism. I want you to go to Amazon.com, and uh, you're going to go to Amazon.com, and you're going to you're going to search for all liberal books, and you're going to rate them all at one star. And a guy asks, even if we haven't read them, and he says, yes, even if you haven't read them, um, and you're going to make nasty comments about them, then you're going to go on the right, you know, you're going to search all the right books, and you're going to give those five stars, and you're going to give them all positive mention, you know. That's flat-out war. That's attempting to manipulate public opinion, and they go into why. They said this is where college kids 
decide what they're going to read. So we have to do this to discourage them from reading stuff that is opposing to our ideology. We have video of them doing that, of them telling people to do that, and people making notes and writing it down. All right, we have a caller that wants to come on the air. Matthew, you're on the air. Can you hear me? Yes, Is we this can. Matt British and Proud? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not on my show. Gangrene, Matt. Go ahead. What's up, Gangrene? Um, basically, I don't know if you covered this. I was listening to most of the show, but I did step away for a minute. But um, what I thought was really important was that his friend talks about how he was such in the mindset of zeitgeist, yet just a little bit after that he talks about how he hasn't seen his friend for two years. I'm like, what does he know about his current mindset? Yeah, Nothing. that's actually in the blog, too, by the way. It's like I think the first or second paragraph of the blog is that I, I pointed that out right after I quoted the guy. I pointed out that he hadn't talked to him for two years. But, yeah, thank you for bringing that up because if I had forgot about it, that would be that is kind of an important point that Peter brought up well, in his own thing, too. Neil, see, see the fact that you and, and your caller are picking up on this um, shows that you're using something called critical thinking. Um, <laughs> It's 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 a skill that most people haven't been able to master. I'm still learning about it, and and you're able to identify logical fallacies. You're able to uh, know when to entertain a thought uh, and know to keep an open mind and to not accept it, but to to see where it fits and where it doesn't fit. Um, and what this is called is called the trivium education. That's one of the things that I wanted to quickly plug and mention. And it teaches you this critical thinking. This you know this deep thought of of reason and rhetoric and and learning language and and all these different skills that when you learn the trivium education you'll be able to see through these you know stories uh like they're nothing i mean it it really expands your mind and and you guys are doing it and don't even realize um that you're doing it uh, and it's called critical thinking it it's that simple and i want to reiterate how important that is because when something like this comes up in the future, we need to be able to point to people what's really going on. We need to explain to them rationally what's going on and not buy into the fear and to the hype. Yep, absolutely. Um, did you have anything else, Gangrene? Or are you even still on? Yeah, and I just keep muting it, though. I don't make a lot of noise. But um, uh, not currently, but I'll stay on the line if you want. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, man. You're always welcome. That's also the fellow who, uh, as his donation to V Radio, he took me down to Venus, Florida. I really appreciated that. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, so, go Neil, are you going to be having a moving forward screening in your town? Yeah, we're in Michigan, we're not going to have one until uh, the 20th, but I will be there. I've already seen it, but, but I saw it via the Internet. We, we went into that earlier, but... Before, all right. But that's into the second segment of my show. I want to make sure we're finished about all this, and we'll get into that. Um, so, EJ, uh, did you have anything further before we move on? Oh, no, no, I'm good. Thanks. All right. Chibi, anything further? No, I'm good. Okay. Bob, anything further? Uh, you know, I, I think people get the point. I really do. Um, it's, it's not rocket science. A lot of our listeners, you know, they they know it's same old, same old. And like you uh, say, critical keep, thinking. <laughs> critical thinking, yeah, that's it. You know, and I want to wrap that up by pointing out, Bob, that uh, it's interesting to me that people are terrified that we're going to try to take their freedom when critical thinking and analytical thinking is the most, 
I mean, ironically, critical aspect of our ideology, that this movement spends a great deal of time teaching people to think for themselves. And, I mean, when you think about it, for example, Cywar, you know, when we saw that film, members of the Zeitgeist movement totally embraced it. They spread it around, and that's because it's about understanding how other people try to take your critical thinking away. That was actually what Peter's motive was with the first film, regardless of whatever came out of it. When I interviewed Peter on V Radio, he said, well, you know, it was about um, uh, trying to help people understand that, you know, the wool's been pulled over their eyes about a few different issues and to try to open their minds. And, you know, that's one aspect of it that I, you know, I still value. I mean, some of the quotes in it I still think of in a very positive light. Um, but the point is that um, basically that we are a movement that advocates critical thinking and that that's your best weapon to defend your freedom. You can have guns, you know, you can build yourself a little fortress, you can be a survivalist, whatever it is you think is going to protect your freedom. None of that means a damn thing if you don't have critical thinking skills, period. Otherwise, you're just a guy with a gun waiting for someone else to tell you what to do. Right. So, kind of like the military. <laughs> <laughs> sad but true. Um, but you know, what we get guys like you, for example, who come out of that, you know, and 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 help us. I mean, I that's something that you're going to see in the newsletter. Actually, I have a guy from uh, Iraq Veterans Against the War who wrote a a really great essay about his suicide bomber that we added to the newsletter. It should be in the next issue. So. Anyway, um, moving on, um, that was the end of the segment about that. Um, my switchboard is open, folks. I put it on the forums. I have a caller number that you can use that is local to New York, so if you are able to make that call at no cost, please do that. Um, if you cannot, you can use my, my toll-free number, which is also available, or if you're out of the country, I would suggest, meaning of the United States, I would suggest adding me to your Skype. That's VTV115. PM me if you're already on my Skype and let me know that you'd like to come on because the whole point is we're basically going to switch the gears here to something positive and we're going to talk about the Zeitgeist Moving Forward film and you know allow people to give their experiences with it and their analysis of it. Um, I'm going to be looking at the switchboard from time to time to do that. I did write a brief blog to kind of bring, bring up some points um, that I'm going to be bringing up. But before I go ahead and read that, just so I can get some time to pull this up, I'm going to, first going to ask uh, Chibi, why don't you give some of your comments about the film? Uh, well, I was really pleased that uh, it was a lot more, well, academic, I guess would be the word. Um, you know, a lot of well-credentialed people speaking up in this movie. Uh, that was something I remember when we interviewed Peter, uh, what, probably almost a year ago now, and we were talking about the future film, and that was one thing that even then I had raised a concern about. And I'm, I'm really happy with uh, how that turned out. Sapolsky I've been a fan of for a long time. That was great to see him as the first man in... Um, Overall, I, I'm I'm interested in seeing how the debunkers approach this one because it's not uh, it's not going to be as easy. They they really have to start trying to debunk mainstream science in a sense uh, in order to you know try and debunk this film. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people out there trying to do it. But I guess I'm sort of interested to see how that plays out. 
Well, well you uh, know, if they can't, they can't debunk it scientifically, they're going to say it's uh, Satan worshiping or something. You know, they're going to say it's the Illuminati or they, they that that seems to be the way I see like a lot of things going. If you can't sit there and say, well, um, yeah, um, scientifically, that's not correct. They just go off and say, oh, yeah, you know, they uh, worship the devil. You see this sign here. You see this there. That's that's another one of the easiest ways to that people will try to debunk. This. Well, the yeah, this. certainly the religious people will hold the same arguments they've always held. But uh, I was thinking more along the lines of uh, the left and right-minded oh, okay. people that uh, that I mean, most of the debunking that goes on on YouTube, for example, uh, stuff like that. I mean, yeah, obviously the religious people have the same arguments they've always had. The other thing I was really happy about in the film, which I know a lot of people will agree with, was that he put some comic relief in it and uh, made, you know, some of it was really enjoyable to sort of, uh, well, just laugh at. Let me go ahead and uh, read my brief blog about this, and then maybe that'll fire up some more comments, maybe even also to the people who, you know, because I know, unfortunately, Bob hasn't seen it yet, and uh, EJ hasn't finished it yet, so... um, I'm going to go ahead and read it. The the official showing here in Michigan is not until the 20th, but thanks to Peter, I was able to watch the movie online for the purposes of his blog of this blog review. I had meant to do it this earlier, but a lot of things got in the way. In any case, what follows is my review of the various chapters of this great film, which which arguably could be Peter's best to date. The film starts out with one of my favorite speeches that many of you may remember from Capitalism Epic Fail. Um, side note. The same filmmaker who made Capitalism Epic Fail, a nice little YouTube video, is helping me make control. Hey, uh, Neil? Yeah. You're sounding far away, buddy. Oh, sorry about that. Is that a little better? <laughs> Much okay. better. Okay, no problem. I'm going to go ahead and start that over. The official showing here in Michigan is not until the 20th, but thanks to Peter, I was able to watch the film online for the purposes of this blog review. I had meant to do this earlier, but a lot of things got in the way. In any case, what follows is my review of the various chapters of this great film, which arguably could be Peter's best to date. The film starts out with one of the most uh, one of my favorite speeches that many of you may remember from Capitalism Epic Fail. Now, just a side note: Capitalism, the filmmaker of Capitalism Epic Fail, is also the guy who's going to help me make Troll. And if you haven't seen that little video, I can get the link for you and throw it in the chat. Anyway, you have to ask yourself. When you finally get the ultimate possession, when you've made the ultimate purchase, when you buy the ultimate home, when you have stored up financial security and climbed the ladder of success to the highest rung you can possibly climb it, and the thrill wears off, and it will wear off, then what? So uh, John Orthberg is apparently, ironically, uh, a Christian minister. So this time we started a film with a Christian minister talking. <gasps> Gasp. Um, <laughs> after this, we get into some powerful imagery. Some time ago, I read an article about this area in New York where the wealthy spend their time shopping for $3,000 handbags. And no, I'm not kidding, $3,000 handbags, while people are lying homeless on the street. They casually walk by these people with no interest at all in their predicament. I remember giving a link about this out to people in the movement. It was powerful to see Peter Joseph put that place to imagery and he later mentions the handbags later in the film. I wanted to let people know that the imagery presented in that first scene is actually represents something real. That's not just poetic. There is, in fact, a street in New York where there are stores where people are buying $3,000 handbags and there are 
homeless people sleeping on the street. Now, that said, I'm moving on. After some awesome animation about Jacques Fresco's early life and an epic quote that I, that I will not spoil for you if you've not already seen the film, we launch right into the act of uh, basically into the act of intellectually kicking the notion of human nature right in the balls. With interviews with multiple professionals who are experts in the field of human behavior and genetics, including one from Stanford University, a comprehensive picture is painted of exactly how human behavior forms and that it is entirely influenced by your environment going all the way back to the womb. One of the experts in question quotes an article that describes the genetic argument and therefore the human nature argument is an explanation for the way things are that does not threaten the way things are. Another of the experts condemned the notion that violent behavior is inevitable. At one point in the film, it is even pointed out that someone's genetics themselves can change through life experiences. Generally obvious in uh, victims of traumatic experiences, but it was also obvious that this would also apply to positive experiences. This is not just in regards to behavior. It has also had a serious impact on the body as well. A fetus that is growing inside a mother who is being starved uh, will be found to later develop a tendency to store all of their sugars and fat. I thought further about the implications of this, and it occurred to me that the obvious proof of this notion is already clear in evolutionary theory, particularly in the different races of humanity. Skin tone and other various attributes of race were obvious adaptions to the physical environment of the people in question. Black people, for example, adapted darker skin to deal with the hotter weather in Africa. That's been known to be science for a long time. It, it just um, That all clicked into my head in a powerful way. The reason people's genetics adjust to violent behavior when they come from violent backgrounds is their personal evolution, preparing them to survive in a violent environment. If you are not exposed to violence, you will have no need to develop that behavior to survive. You can see this obvious point when you consider that most of the best participants in violent sports, such as boxing or football, come from cultures where violence is more common or even encouraged. I realized finally that every aspect of who we are adapts to our environment. And a child whose parents are violent, who is not exposed to violence while having genetics from those parents, is still found not to develop violent behavior unless they are also abused. This whole segment of the film also had a profound effect on my attitudes about parenting. I suddenly became very sensitive to any sort of environmental stimuli in the lives of my own children, and I urge parents to consider this as well. All of the work that Peter did in this film does an excellent job of providing tangible and credible sources to the material that was already presented in Where Are We Now and Where Are We Going, uh, the lectures he did previously, along with some of the information of the orientation guide that was not contained in Zeitgeist Addendum. And this was, uh, this was very vindicating for those of us who have been using those lectures as a source in our own debates. In the next segment of the film, we again look at the monetary system, getting into the origin of the idea of private property. Further reflections point to the fact that the GDP of a country does not by any means reflect the quality of life of the people living in that country, further exposing the way we have been conditioned to think that being a consumer is directly linked to our happiness. A really detailed analysis that is still very easy to listen to exposes a great deal about the falsehoods in the market system and the inevitability of collapse of the money system. I got another happy moment when an article I had linked to Peter and Roxanne made its way into the film as MIT did a study about how machines are in fact stealing jobs. 
Further analyzing the direct effects of social economic status of people and their health with all the excuses other than the lack of equality directly impacting the health of people completely debunked, the film then launches into what I would have to say is one of the best and most complete descriptions of a resource-based economy, including how resources should be viewed and a strong explanation of how it will work, including our great description of how the circular city model works. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, a great description of how the cir circular city model works. I won't get into deep descriptions of this, but there was some humor in the film that absolutely took me by surprise and caused me to laugh so hard that I had to pause the film while I was watching it. It really takes someone who is a veteran of Peter's typical dark and mysterious storytelling style by surprise. Hey, guys. Yes? I can't hear uh, Neil again. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I got you. I can, hear, can you hear him fine. loud and clear. Okay. Yep. Sounds super far away. Sorry about that. That's weird. Well, yeah, it's it's not what it was before. Anyway, um, I was talking about the yeah, that's right. I was talking about the humor. Uh, and also the the ending was also really powerful and emotional. I've had multiple people tell me they were in tears because of it, but they were tears of joy. In conclusion, Zeitgeist moving forward, I think, does an excellent job of finishing what Zeitgeist to Denim started, while completely divorcing itself from any of the controversial aspects of the first Zeitgeist film. It did an excellent job of putting all the pieces together of Peter's various other lectures and other information that we have had to previously always have to link to anyone who has only seen Zeitgeist Addendum. Excellent film. I have heard that the internet release that is yet to come is going to be even longer, and I am looking forward to it. So, all right. That being said, I'm going to move on to EJ. And uh, did you have any further comment? <coughs> No, um, really, the only comment I would have is the uh, what I found interesting was the fact that, you know, a lot of this uh, social behavior, I guess you can call it, starts in the womb. Um, you know, we I, I've had glimpses of it, like, you know, um, you know, the, the, the stereotypical crack baby and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, I just found that interesting that, you know, uh, all of this stuff can actually start in the womb from uh, if you starve yourself, then the, the, that'll affect how the kid's diet is going to be. Um, and, you know, that, that just that was just pretty amazing. I, I never knew that. I, I just like that aspect of it. That's really all I have to say about that. And uh, Chibi, did you have something further? Uh, not right off the top of my head. Not without ruining the movie, anyways. Right? Yeah, that's kind of tough. I mean, a lot. Most of us have seen it, but um, well, some like, of us are waiting, Neil. Um, <laughs> if I may jump in here for the twentieth, uh, in which we'll be having a, a screening here locally. I'm looking on uh, the Facebook page. My buddy's throwing it at his place here in uh, Gainesville, Florida. I know there's a screening taking place in, in Fort Myers, Florida. There's probably a screening near you, Neil. And all over the world, people are having screenings on the 20th. That's very exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to taking place uh, in one of these screenings. And there's going to be talk. It's going to be interactive. Uh, these films, folks, are not meant for us to just watch the film. They're meant for us to take to heart and then to do something about it. These are serious times, and we really need to start organizing and getting as active as possible in our communities uh, and sort of, you know, 
working towards these abundance-based initiatives, trying to edge out the powers that be. One way to do that is by growing a garden. Um, you know, that's something that not everyone can do. So maybe you have uh, other ways to to get the word out and, and to start protect you to protect you and your neighbors, and that's important. So, right, absolutely. Now, um. We do have callers on the switchboard, but I'm going to ask Matthew first since his mic's already open. Uh, Gangrene, did you want to comment anything on the show? On the movie, I mean? Well, there's a lot of... Dir- can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. There's a lot of directions that you can go. I mean, it's a two-hour, 40-minute movie. It talks about so much. You know, you could talk... I could probably talk for hours on different things. Um, one thing I really did like about it is how they approach the resource-based economy concept using the... Um, beginning of a future by design the book kind of where they talk about the uh, uh, you get a, a raw planet where humans haven't been on how would you go about an approach of you know utilizing that planet in the most efficient and uh, ways that are um, most beneficial to people and I thought that that approach was a really good way and a fresh way to to come at the topic again especially if people are going to be seeing that as their um, first exposure to the RBE concept. So that's just one part of the movie I like, but you could talk about, you know, all the different parts of the movies. There's uh, there's a lot to talk about. No, I agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and bring on the caller from the 720 area code. You're on the air. Caller from 720? He might just be calling in to listen. Some people do that, so I'll go ahead and turn him off. In the meantime, folks... um, those of you who are in the chat room, that's why I said I put it up on the forums. You know, hey, uh, now's the time. Call in. Tell us what you thought of the movie. Let us know. Um, and in the meantime, I will continue commenting on it. Uh, but basically, the the, the powerful uh, realizations that I came to that, that I think was something that I was that the that when you think about it, evolution itself is directly influenced by environment. Um, we see that all over the place and it's it, that's why I, I pointed the physical examples it's usually 720 is open again and I'll, I'll bring them on as soon as this I'm finished with my point the physical examples and the differences of the races that was something that was explained to me a long time ago with this uh, there was a science program that they did in my school to help fight racism they just educated people about why people have happen to come from different races and what genetic benefits there were and they're all created by environment. People who live in hotter climates tend to have darker skin. People who live in dusty climates tend to have slanted eyes. You know, it, there's always reasons that were based in your environment for every aspect of who you are. Why would that not also include the tendency to be violent? That's the thing that I said earlier, is that people who are raised in a violent circumstance develop violence, and that's a natural reaction. That's your mind guiding your evolution, your personal evolution, so that you can survive. If you come from a violent culture, then you're going to need to be able to be violent. That's the way it is. Otherwise, you're going to die. But remember, your brain is a really amazing organism, and it'll do everything it can to make you as capable of survival as possible. So we're going to go ahead and bring 720 back on the air. 720, you're on the air. Uh, hey, uh, Neil, this is uh, Richard. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> No, I, I that that was me. Okay. <laughs> caller for I figured seven... I, I'd be a crank caller for a change. Oh, is this Brian? No, th- this is Bob Tuscan, theylie.com. 
Oh. Okay, so who's on the air from 7 to 0? I don't know. They didn't speak, so I just started yapping. Okay. <laughs> I guess they're still not talking. Well, they had hit their button because they wanted to talk, so I'm going to go ahead and bring on 645. 645, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Welcome to V Radio. Hey, how are you doing, Neil? Not too bad. Did you want to comment on Zeitgeist moving forward? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, first off, my name is uh, Moses. I'm with uh, the New Jersey chapter. I guess I'm kind of one of the coordinators. Uh, one of the screenings that we uh, – well, I've been to two screenings that we had, and uh, we uh, participated in the question and answer, which I was uh, a part of, you know, uh, answering questions. Uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I guess what, what Peter said before well, – um, that anyone who was a uh, part of the movement, the movie, uh, the information really wouldn't surprise them. So it didn't, none of it really took me by surprise. I, I was looking at more as the people who uh, never seen it before, that they uh, that it was giving them something, um, you know, to really, really join, look forward to. To me personally, uh, still, um, part two was the best one for me because that's when they introduced Jock and, you know, that got my mind running and. You start looking up all these things and stuff like that. So, but overall, I think it was a really, really good film. I believe it probably could have been a little shorter, so you know, to probably attract more people. But you know, that, that's just taking an objective view of it, and um, that's 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 my my take on it. You know, yeah, and you're not the first person I've heard say that. I saw a couple of other reviews say that it was too long, but. You know, it's it's just like people ask why Jacques goes on so many tangents when he talks about the resource-based economy, and it's because it's such a complex thing. You're talking about reworking all of society. You know, it's hard to describe that in so few words because you have to describe the symptoms as they find themselves in every aspect of our existence. So that being said, I'm going to pull on another caller from uh, 404. Caller from 404, you're on the air. Hi. Well, hello. Welcome Hi. to Beat Radio. Um, thank you. Um, so I'm I'm Rachel T in U.S. Georgia. Mm-hmm. So we had our um we had our screening. We had our at the the Plaza Theater in Atlanta on the 15th, and then we had another screening the next day in Alpharetta, which is really only 30 minutes um, north of Atlanta. But um, um, the, the first time I saw it was great because it was in a the huge theater and it was. It was nice, and we had 57 people, and um, that was big for us. <laughs> and um, it was it was really mixed because I mean there were definitely people that you know were watching, and as soon as it came on, you know they're you know the, the jokes come and they're they're laughing, and it's great, and it's great to see all this comic relief and everything. But I, I brought a lot of people that was the first time that they had ever even seen any, anything about Zeitgeist, and they were just it was just long, and it immediately goes into all those you know. Um, talking heads about you know about stuff that they don't even understand why you know why are we talking about this it, it, it wasn't relevant to what I had been telling them about about Zeitgeist what um, so I was the first time I watched it was very pessimistic because I was seeing it from like their viewpoint if someone had never ever seen it before and it was just going on and on about stuff you didn't understand why it was talking about it and then later I mean at least later it kind of got into um, you know more about. Um, what the movement is really about, and you know how we're getting screwed over in the economy and everything, and then um, and the, the, they all left before they had you know the people stand up in the audience 
and start calling them names and communists and uh, Marxmen and everything. And I wish they had. <laughs> I wish they had. I know. I wish they had waited. I'm like, you. You were those guys. You should have waited till you start talking to you. And they left before that happened. I was like, dang it. So, um, so but but later when I watched it the next day, because I told my girlfriend, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, don't get your hopes up, because I was so disappointed they had left. And so when she saw it, she's like, it was great. And when I watched it the second time, I was like, I was so into it. So like after I had already known how long the talking was going to happen and how many points were going to be in the human behavior and human nature section, it was okay. But um, but what I liked about it. What I really appreciated about the movie was that all the people that I had um, shown Zeitgeist Addendum to, you know, it answered all their questions. Because what do people see after they see Zeitgeist Addendum? They're like, well, you know, what about people's human nature? People are still going to want to, they're still going to want to, you know, hurt people. They're still going to want to, you know, get ahead in the game. They're still going to, you know, they're not going to have motivation. If I don't have a job, I'm just going to lay around. And he hit all that. Like anything that anybody said about Zeitgeist Addendum, like this isn't going to work. Were they just asleep through the first part of the film? I mean, how could they be talking about human nature after watching all of those professors debunk human nature? No, I'm just saying, like, after people saw Addendum. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. The reason I brought that up is you're not the only person I had heard say that, even about the third film. That's why I was wondering. There were people who were still talking about it, even after that. Yeah. See, that's ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like, I I appreciate that he put that in there because that's kind of, like, just smacks them across the face. Like, no, it's not going to happen. So it was good, and just how people say they're going to be lazy, and then later he hit on that. Well, won't people be lazy? And then he hit the, the same thing that other people say. It's like, well, this looks like the New World Order. This looks like socialism. This looks, you know, and then later he did that too. And I do appreciate that he also took, you know, I mean, I don't care about the religion thing, but I'm, I'm glad that he took it out because as soon as any Christians I bring to the see a viewing of the movie, they're like immediately, oh, my God, no. You know, because it's really, if we can get to the point where we are transitioning into well, the transition's already happening because we're collapsing, which is exactly what's supposed to happen. But if we can, if we get to the point where the you know the Venus Project is starting to happen and and we're moving into this this new you know one one love world, then I think their religions will kind of just devolve, dissolve anyway. So I don't think we need to go like you know what you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, definitely I don't I don't let all the Christians watch the freaking first movie because they would just you know completely be turned off. Anything that was like guys, they would you know they do the people that the people do on the YouTube thing. So um. Overall, anyway, the movie was great. I think for people that had never seen it before, it was a lot because they didn't understand why they're having to explain that much. But for everyone that I had talked to that wanted to be into it, they just didn't quite get it after the second movie. They really appreciated it. And, of course, everybody in the group was like, it's freaking awesome. It was the best thing ever. I laughed. I cried. You know, but I think it's important for us to look at the people yeah, who are on you know, the outside looking I in. I do remember thinking the same thing when it started was that somebody who didn't know anything about the movement might not understand why we're launching into a big, long thing about right. human nature and why it's relevant. But right. it, I think Peter did it because it's it's the first thing, or it's the thing we hear the loudest that's in opposition. And um, it's kind of a matter of, you know, if if we didn't go over human nature, then they would be asking us the human nature question, right. just like they did with mm-hmm. Amanda. And it, right. Well, awesome, I was kind of yeah. hoping that maybe he would have said that in the beginning, just like he, just like he did, just like he kind of introduced, you know, why are we going to talk about how it's not like socialism and not like, you know, because he had people stand up in the audience and say, rah, 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 rah. So I, I was kind of hoping that maybe he could put something before the human nature thing where it's like, many people think that this isn't going to work because of this and then kind of go into it. Cause there wasn't that. It was just like, it was like there was a funny Doc Fresco joke and then it was like, okay, now sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wish it had been kind of set up a little bit more, I think. 
Right. Especially for such a long. Especially for such yeah, a I long don't. Drama. I don't. As oh. much as I love the jock segment, I I think that an, an opening narration to talk about what the movie was about would have been a good idea. But yeah. the, the film is already so long, and I guess it's going to be even longer. You know, it's it's tough. I can't you know, imagine. He put so many. I mean, he had to crowd so much stuff into there. Did somebody else have a? a I just heard somebody else talking. What was that? Yeah, I, actually, I would disagree. I think there's a good reason for not for doing it the way he did it because uh, if if you start outlining what it's about as soon as you start the film, that turns people off to it right away. So the way he did it really takes you on a journey through all these different things uh, of human nature. If they just are watching it and it's about human nature right now, then they might learn something and and go, oh well, and didn't think of that, and then. Uh, so he slowly leads you up to the punchline. I, I think that works pretty well too for new viewers. Right. I'm sure I, I would, it's different for different people, but uh, I, I'm pretty satisfied with the way he did it, just jumping in without the outline. Really quick, folks. Uh, those of you who are still on the switchboard, I see you. You're not being ignored. Somebody broke off. Don't worry. I will bring you on. Um, and that being said, um, I'm gonna go ahead and mute you, 404. And if you uh, hear anything else that you want to like comment on, go ahead. Um, and I'll get back to you. Okay. Well, okay, uh, I, I would like to say something that that uh, four four had mentioned. Um, the whole new world order thing. Okay. Um, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I was under the impression that the new world order was about um, a worldwide religion, a single religion, uh, a single currency, um, uh, uh, a government ruled by one person. If I'm, am I correct in what I'm saying? Yeah, or? and you know, I know what you mean, and I, and it's funny that they always make that distinction. They they go into that stuff in the first film too, because supposedly there's in the in Zeitgeist one there's some sources that are linked to Blavatsky and all these other weirdos, and they tend to forget that the whole point of Zeitgeist one part one was to point out how all religion is stupid. <laughs> all religion mm. is stupid. Not not. Be a Luciferian because Christ is bad. That's not the point of it. it it's always been religion is stupid, you know. And I and I bring up the example that the guy from Religious, uh, you know, Bill Maher, you know, talked to dozens of different religious people and sourced them for his film. That doesn't mean he agreed with any of them. The point was to try to make a statement of religion's dumb. And I don't see how anything that was done in Zeitgeist One. Would in any, I mean, like, if we did, you know, they do Zeitgeist 1, and then someday Peter tells us that, oh, by the way, we're all going to be Lucifer worshippers, we would all turn it at him, look at him and laugh. You know, there's no way you could get away with trying to turn this into some kind of, you know, Luciferian cult after we've spent all this time debunking religion itself. So, right, exactly. Let me go ahead and, uh, it looks like 720, we're going to give them a try. Um, did I already have you on the call, 720? Hey, Neil, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up? Yeah, sorry about that. I was on earlier, and I was kind of multitasking. So anyway, uh, my name's Dustin. I'm in the Colorado chapter. And uh, we actually haven't done our screening yet. We have kind of a small pre-screening on our uh, local campus this Thursday, and then we have a pretty large screening on Saturday. We've actually had about 300 people RSVP for it. So we're uh, really looking forward to that. Um, I don't know if you were kind of looking for more commentary on the film itself, but I think that this new film is going to be much, much more palatable for all the all the Homer Simpsons out there that are, you know, totally new to the RBE concepts and everything. So that's what we're excited about. Excellent, excellent. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, when is your showing going to be? Well, we're doing uh, through our student group at the Auraria campus in Denver. We have one on Thursday at 2 p.m., and then the main screening is going to be Saturday, the 22nd, at 1 p.m., and that's the one that we've had about 300 people RSVP for on our Facebook page. That's really great. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we've been uh, plastering the campus with flyers. We've just been hitting that, you know, the last couple of days because the semester just started. So that's one thing I encourage everybody to do in their chapters is really tap into the university circuit because that is where you're going to really, really start to push these ideas real quick. That's for sure. That's definitely sure. I mean, as opposed to just getting some kind of movie theater and not, you know, and you're definitely going to get more people out of the colleges than just trying to put it at a local theater. I mean, in Michigan, ours is at a is at an arts theater that's known for independent films, so um, it, it will definitely be good for that. But all right, thank you very much. I'm going to bring on another caller. Um, and also, there was a request from Chibi. Apparently, uh, one of the showings in Canada was really enthusiastic. So if there's any listeners from Canada who attended those uh, um, screenings, that I guess they had people cheering and they had a lot of people show up. You know, give us a call. Um, I mean, no matter what, even if you just had a, a, what you would consider a modest screening, call up, you know, tell us about it. Because, you know, I tell people this all the time. There are some people who say, you know, I had like, you know, 100 people show up, you know, but that doesn't really matter as much if they were already members of the movement. I like to hear stories about, well, yeah, we had people who were brand new and now they, they like, you know, it, you can have a screening of 10 people and if you get six, you know, people who now agree with this direction who didn't previously, that's a great achievement, you know, period, you know, as a, you know, no matter what, one way, way you look at it. So thank you for calling in, 720. Going to move on to 316. You're on the air. Hey, Neil, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Welcome to V-Radio. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I went to the uh, San Diego premiere on the 16th. Uh, it was a packed house. Uh, we had, they had to turn people away. Uh, everybody was really enthusiastic. It was a great atmosphere to uh, to enjoy the film. Um, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said so far about the film. I, I particularly liked the the human nature versus the environment uh, part of the film, uh, just because I think that really needed to be pushed out, and it was just an airtight argument that I just can't see how detractors will be able to, to find a hole in that argument, you know, and it's been brought up so much in the past that I think that was really uh, important for, for Peter to put out there the way that he did. Um, <clears throat> another part that I thought was great was the uh, the peak oil part that, that was mentioned, and because I think if we can get people to realize that we can't move into sustainable energy away from away from oil in a monetary system, that that will kind of start to unfold everything and realize that it, we just can't support sustainable energy in a monetary system. They just won't allow for it. You know, I thought that was a really critical uh, part. I'm glad he brought that up. All right, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah. And uh, did you guys have anything, like, come up during your Q&A or whatever, any particular moments that stick out? The the Q&A was interesting. Uh, some Somebody... Uh, Somebody who, who apparently didn't, you know, wasn't too familiar with the uh, uh, with the material mentioned something about uh, the, some Illuminati symbol or something like that that one of the one of the people that Peter interviewed uh, during the film had in the background and, and she started going off on this weird tangent. They, her, her and I know the the biggest part that she mentioned though is she was disappointed that she didn't get to see how people would actually be living in the resource based economy directly you know she said that it was all about people but then you didn't necessarily get to see that and i i, I thought the people that answered the question did a really good job of, of saying you know well i mean you, you can't 
it's important to show the structure of it, and that is how people will live in it. And I, I kind of just disagreed with it overall because I thought the, you know, it did show that there would be art and community centers, and it showed how the whole city would be set up. I didn't really think it was necessary to go into explicit day-to-day living detail, and I think they they pretty much said that to her. Just so it, it was it was good though. Pretty much everybody was uh, was really enthusiastic about it. It was a good show. Excellent. Yeah, thank you very much for calling in to share that story with us. Um, no problem. And, uh, Have a good night. No problem. And, um, all right, 419, you're on the air. It's me again, Neil. Um, just on what that guy was saying uh, before here, what I've heard is the Z4 movie, the next movie, is going to deal more with what people do at a resource-based economy. Is that what you've heard? Because that would kind of relate towards what that person was talking about. Um, you know, I, ha- I had heard rumor about a Z4, um, but I did not uh, ever hear what it was going to be about. I had also heard rumor he wasn't going to do anymore. <laughs> um, and I, but I had a feeling that there was no way that was going to happen, knowing Peter. Um, it's just that this film's taken a lot out of him. He went, he did, a, he worked so hard. I mean, he went, you know, with a very little sleep sometimes to get back and forth to these screenings and stuff, you know. And it's been a lot of work, man. It's been hard work. So, but yeah, I mean, it it stands to reason that that's probably what will happen. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things to say about the movie. Another thing I really liked about it is how Peter. Um, deviated from his usual lack of emotion in his speech, and especially toward the middle of the movie onward, he really started getting some different tone in his speech, and it got uh, a little comical. It was a lot easier and palatable, I think, for people who are new to it to have a more personable um, narrative going on there. Yep, I agree with you there. Um I'm going to see, I've got one more person on the switchboard, and I'm getting some Skype requests. So remember, folks, if you want to be added via Skype, PM me on Skype, because I get ads for, I get ad requests constantly pretty much throughout the day, not just when I'm on the show. So if you want to be added to the show, be sure that if you're, if you're doing so via Skype, send me a private message on Skype to say that you would like to be added to the call. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring on, uh, we got another new caller from the 720 area code. You're on the air. Hey, Neil, it's me again. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) I just had another comment I wanted to add about the new film. Um, Mm -hmm. What I really thought was a strong aspect to it was the fact that he included all these different personalities in the film, kind of like what you see in the Cywar and Human Resource documentaries, where it's not just one person making the point. Like if you look at Addendum, it's mainly, you know, PJ's voice narrating the entire thing, and it's really, really heavy on, you know, Jacques Fresco and the Venus Project. And while that was very appealing to activists like us, I think it, you know, for a lot of people that saw it for the first time, they misinterpreted and said, oh, so the Venus Project is going to rule the world. I mean, you probably heard that usual argument from people that get kind of scared about any new ideas. And so that was the cool thing with this new film that, you know, he used a lot of people to make the same point. Even like when uh, Mike Rupert was talking about the peak oil stuff, he included a couple different other people that were also, you know, quote unquote experts in that field so that it's not just one guy making that point. I think that really has a lot more weight to it. It's going to, you know, add a lot more credibility so that we stop getting some of these, you know, basic shotgun reactions that people always have to the stuff. I agree. Um, and reminder, folks, uh, people asking for my Skype, it's VTV115, not just VTV. Um, 
And uh, that being said, I'm going to look again here at my switchboard. And uh, I did get an ad request from somebody in Canada, from somebody named Maria. I don't know if she wanted to be added or not. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and put her on anyway, because I think is that your is that your friend, Chibi? Uh, yeah, Chibi. Okay. All right. Well, bring her on then. And uh, to anybody who's waiting on the switchboard, don't worry, I will get around to you. We have plenty of time in this radio show specifically just to talk about this. Um, I have to say I was really happy when I went to the U.S. meeting today, or at the, the, the other day. I canceled it because I wanted to hear – I can't. I postponed the show because I wanted to hear uh, um, from people about what, how their screenings went. And some of them were really, really great. And the, the things that you know people said and you know, just the enthusiasm was all good to hear. Um so let me go ahead and add Maria to the call, and I'm going to go ahead and look at the switchboard real quick and see if we have new people on here that aren't open. Um, 404, have you been on the air yet? I have. Oh, okay. All right. Did you did you have any further comments, or were you just kind of listening? No, I do. That's why I called back. Okay, yeah. Well, go ahead and comment while I'm adding this Okay. Comment. Well, it's Okay, well, it's good that um, the guy before me just talked about how um, – how diverse it seemed to be with all the different people talking because um as far as um <laughs> different groups of people it was really everyone that talked in that movie was an older white man. <laughs> I don't know what Roxanne said like one statement and that was the the most diverse thing that was on there. So I I'm, I do understand what you what you're saying about how um you know, the other movies were really just like his voice and it was just it seemed like it could have kind of been just like his opinion or whatever because he was he was the only kind of really person talking as a narrator or whatever. But as far as um Z three, it's like it was all middle aged white men. So I had a lot of um personal friends, a lot of personal close lesbian friends and black friends that were just like where's the diversity? You know, are are we gonna be ruled out? Or <laughs> you know? So um there was that. Well, I don't know if you might well, have noticed that. One of the guys was, uh, I know, like, the, the guy that they talked to was the automation expert. He was Hispanic, I'm pretty sure. And then mm-hmm. the, that one doctor, um, he was obviously not Caucasian. I couldn't, maybe, Chibi, you know who that guy is. Do you have to know where he's from? The one, the, the darker-skinned doctor with the curly black hair? Uh, he lives, he works out of Vancouver in Canada. Um, I I don't know about his ethnicity, though. He's got kind of a European accent uh, going on. I know that. Yeah, that's Gaber Mate or Mate. I'm not sure how his last name's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I would say to to tell your friends that because we've, you know, uh, there it, Roxanne is definitely a prominent part of the movement. The the chapter coordinator for the entire United States, which is pretty much the largest chapter in the Zeitgeist movement, is a female named Jen Wild. Um, one of my favorite people in the movement is Brandy Hume. Um, she's really influential and definitely a girl and also half black, half Indian. <laughs> so um, we're, it's it's not that um, – I, I think that part of it, I guess, is you know it may be something to do with just who Peter could get, but I know it didn't have anything to do with gender when he picked people out. Um, okay. But, I'm just saying – I was just voicing my opinion the opinion of some of my friends that in the movie it didn't look very diverse for the people. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of different diverse groups that could have – spoken, and I'm sure it had something to do with maybe how much people cost or whatever, but I mean, I was just pointing that out because that's what we're discussing is different viewpoints on the movie. Oh, no, no, that's fine. No, absolutely. I was just trying to offer a solution for you to give to your friends. <laughs> that was all. Okay. Well, but, well if, I, if I may say something as a African-American myself, um, 
I, I don't think it's more so that, like, like he said, it's not the fact that he didn't want to choose the people. It's the fact that, you know, um, there's a lot of us out there, but are we going to actually come and try to be a part of it? Are we going to want to be in the forefront? Because I know a lot of my friends, they look at me and I say, hey, man, you know, really money, uh, the monetary system is bringing us down. And the first, oh, man, shoot, we can't never live without money, man. No, screw that. We can't live without money. And that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. It's like, you know, well, you know, it, it's it's kind of a, I, 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 I think um, uh, ideas like that can start um, cancers inside of a movement like this. And I'm not saying that, um, he should have went out of his way to make sure that it was uh, very diverse. But the fact that, you know, um, Roxanne is, you know, like she's high on the, uh, I guess you could call it the totem pole. Um, we we just need to get out more and um, apply ourselves more so that we can get into the limelight if that's where you want to be. And, you know, that, that that's just how I feel. I, I, Somebody else is going to go ahead and talk. I'll, I'll tell them to. Yeah, I, I'd just like to respond as well on this. Um, as far as the people he used, uh, I'm, I think that's really just circumstantial that, you know, the people that happen to be well-known and yet reachable and uh, that, that he could use to make these points just happen to be of a particular, I mean, ethnicity. And you could, there's something to be said about just the society we live in happens to make it harder on uh, a female, for example, to uh, get to a certain point or an African-American. Or I mean, I, I would say that, you know, there is a lower percentage of, say, uh, a certain color or sex involved in the sciences, um, not because they're not capable, but also because the way our society is structured, it, it just is harder for them to get to those places. So there's fewer of them to choose from. Uh, I wouldn't put the blame on Peter there, is all I'm saying. Right. Well, um, Maria is actually on the call, uh, so you want to go ahead and uh, comment on what happened in Canada? Well, basically when I went there um, to see the premiere, I was an hour earlier with my friend, and, uh, I mean, we went for coffee to get coffee for about 10 minutes, and then we came back, and there was like a lineup around the cinema. And uh, around the block. And uh, we lined up and we were waiting until the doors opened. And uh, th that line just kept building and building and building. And it was freezing out there, too. Um, and just, just throughout the movie, especially, like, on, like, some points that, uh, like, some of the funnier stuff were um, when they, when they were taught, when um, Peter said, um, like, a statement about, uh, exchanging useless crap on Christmas, like the cheers that we would get in this cinema, in the theater, um, 800 plus people. It was it was astounding. Like I didn't I didn't expect that at all. You know that's actually really encouraging. It sounds like it was a very emotional moment, and I've heard great things about the Canada chapters. It's almost enough to make me want to move to Canada, but. Um, the Michigan chapter has also really got a lot of great people in it, but it's as far as ever getting that kind of numbers together, it's just the economy is so tough in Michigan. It's hard to be an activist, um, you know. But uh, 
the fact you had lines and you know and, and enthusiasm and I'd, I'd love to hear how you guys promoted it too i mean is it you know that's a good question though i mean 800 people that's like a freaking rock concert uh you know uh how did you guys promote it i mean was it mostly movement members or you know how many like people do you think had never been to zeitgeist at least that you were running into like the the people that were there they just like uh like i wasn't one of the volunteers i was just i just showed up that day so i mean hopefully one of the the volunteers will come on the show and say how that was but uh they, they did uh they asked the audience members how many of them had seen zeitgeist and zeitgeist addendum and most of them did raise their hand um and it was uh a, like a varied audience you know young old um different sexes it was all mixed um and uh the q a was also interesting there was you know um some disabled people there as well and they were really interested did it as well so i mean that's really all i have to say about it all right well thank you very much for calling in to give us a little bit of insight on uh you know what was going on over there um but uh anyway uh somebody on the line who's on my switchboard is i I can hear them doing dishes uh (laughs) so i'm gonna go down apparently you didn't mute me while i was uh, one after i was done making my point (laughs) no that's fine um all right which one is that is that which, uh, I'm seven two zero. Okay. Did you have any more points? Well, I guess uh, all I can do is kind of speculate since we haven't actually had our screening yet. But I would say that, um, kind of like I was mentioning earlier, the student group thing is a really great way to go because you can tap into so many resources and you can get funding for your events too, which is that's that's a huge point where you don't have to you know pay to book a theater or something. So you can get funding for that. You can get funding for materials and banners and things like that. And there is a lot of bureaucracy that's behind it that we have to kind of uh, wade through, but we're getting there. So we're uh, trying to, you know, establish student groups around the state, and it's slowly starting to come to, come to fruition. Yep. Um, so as I was saying, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on here now down the line. Uh, caller 404, area code. Did you have anything further? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, it was great having you on. Thank you for calling in to V-Radio. Thank you. Caller from 419, did you have anything further to add? Um, let me think. Uh, um, I can just tell you what we had at the first showing in Ohio. We had about uh, 50 people. Um it was a pretty diverse crowd. It was, like, really diverse. But, um, you know, there were females there, several African-Americans. So it was it was, it was diverse. Um, I, it went pretty well. Although I would say most of the people there had seen the other Zeitgeist movies, or at least had some familiarity with the concepts. They were not people who, you know, show up a lot on TeamSpeak or, or even have joined a chapter, but they're people who have definitely seen the films before because I only really knew two or three people, and that was pretty much Sean uh, Hodgins and Sean Fortner. So everybody else was pretty much new, and it, was, and it did seem like some people were really drawn into wanting to become more active. You know, they're talking about wanting to do stuff in that area. And this was around the Clevelandish area. It was actually in Kent, Ohio. And it was only like one or two days advertising. There's still 50 people there. Um, we have another showing coming up this next Saturday in Fremont, Ohio, at the Berkshire Public Library. 
um, at 11 a.m., and I'm wondering how big this is going to be because we've been advertising for a couple of days on Facebook, through email, and I've already started getting people on Facebook, you know, signing up. I've had people call me on the phone because I'm putting out flyers and they're, uh, you know, trying to RSVP seats. And uh, I've even put out some stuff to the press here locally in terms of the newspaper and everything and offered, you know, like I said, you guys can have somebody come down if you want and, uh, you know, we could talk about it and, uh, do whatever you want. So I don't know how big it's going to get the next showing, but I've only got about 75 seats and maybe 25 room for standing only. So I'm hoping I don't fill it all, but uh, it could happen. Yeah, I heard there were some showings where they actually had to turn away large quantities of people because they ran out of room. Um, I mean, that's that's too bad. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do that because even at even at the Cleveland at the Kent showing, um, there are people who came in from Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, and other Holy pretty shit. far distances just to come to Ohio to see it because I guess there wasn't anything uh, closer for them. So uh, I, I I would feel really bad if somebody drove here from you know pretty far away and then I would have them you know they would just be overcrowded and I wouldn't be able to have them because you know according to fire code you just can't stay that many people into a place you know. You know, um, that's, and I hope it never comes to that too for anything that, you know, that, that we're doing because it, it sucks because you know, you know, somebody's interest in something like that, you kind of have to strike when the iron is hot, and uh, it's. I hope that that doesn't come up in the future. You know, and I mean, it, that's the tough thing about it. Um, it, it. It's it's something you can't really predict. It's like I remember thinking about it in the Michigan chapter, knowing the Michigan culture. I was like. Man, how are we going to get people to watch this thing? You know, and we initially were going to charge a normal video ticket price for it, and you know, then they they knocked that down because we're like, there's no way anybody's going to pay more than five bucks for this in Michigan, just because not because it's not a good thing, but it, it's just it's hard to get people who are in a bad economy to to think about other stuff, you know, and and it's it's tough. I mean, that's why, like you were saying, EJ, you know. Um, one of the things that I think that comes up culturally, you know, it's like I remember talking to a, a different African-American guy who came on my show once, and I asked him, you know, why he felt that there were not a lot of black people in the zeitgeist movement, and he pointed out to me that um, he said that it's not that black people are inherently stupid or anything. He said that the, the culture, though, just doesn't use computers a lot. You know, they just they, they play their video games on their consoles, and and the idea of sitting around the computer all day, like most of us do, is is kind of foreign to them. Um, right. You know, so it's that's why I mean, I'm glad that we started doing this theater thing because that you know that pushes things a little further. Um, but you know, and like when I said, and I, and I cringed as I was saying it, only because I'm thinking, man, I hope nobody anticipate or particip- states that what I'm getting ready to say is racist. But people who come from cultures that are violent, it is well known that. You know, there happen to be a lot of very talented black boxers and black football players. And it just so happens because, and when I refer to that culture, I'm not even meaning just by race. I lived there. <laughs> I'm part of that culture. I played football every freaking day. I didn't get involved in boxing, but a lot of the best boxing gyms are in those areas. It's, it's a cultural thing. And, you know, there are people, you know, who come from those areas, you know, no matter what race they are, we're still, you know, the Mexicans, they're good boxers generally, and they also kind of come from all the same kind of neighborhoods. And it's 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 tough because, you know, people don't recognize that we have a cultural barrier. That's why Jacques said that he thinks we should have films for every culture, every individual culture, 
you know, films that are catered towards uh, Southerners, you know, films that are catered towards, you know, people in the inner city, films that are catered towards, you know, just different cultures because everybody has different values, you know, um, and, and different, like, uh, hot-button issues or, or words maybe that will make them think, you know, you have to appeal to their values. Um, right. But the, the hard thing about that is getting... Um, the, the getting the bodies to do such a such a feat, you know. I mean, for instance, if um, you wanted to appeal to, let's say the 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 black culture, like the um, the the I would just say like the 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 black culture that's more so in the hoods and the ghettos and whatnot. Um, chances are they probably don't want to listen to uh, Jacques or Roxanne. You know, they they see a lot of people. Uh, in the black community are still prejudiced. They see a they see a white man or white woman, and automatically their their mind is already in the gutter about that. You know so, it, that's true. That's very true. And, and when I went to and when I went to school in Pontiac and in Detroit, I was a you know there was a lot of black racism there. Those they really didn't like you if you happened to be a white kid. I got randomly attacked and. All the kind of stuff you would expect a black person to go through in the South, I went through as a long-haired white kid wearing metal T-shirts was a great way to get your <laughs> great way to get your butt kicked, to yeah. put it lightly. And they, they'd come in groups of five. They they really didn't like you, um, you know. And I learned how to deal with that. But still, it's just yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. And, and I hope that you know that that also might be a culture because there are some that are like that 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 we're probably going to reach a lot better by some of these people it's going to come down to, they're going to have to see our technology in action before they'll really grasp it. You know, I'm like, exactly. you know, I can't think of any kid that I grew up with in the ghetto when I grew up who, if they went to a Venus Project City, would not have the time of their lives. They'd be like, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to work? You know, <laughs> right, I right. can go get whatever all this stuff I want, and I don't have to deal with. Oh my God, that's so cool! You know, and they'd probably start off with it from the materialistic standpoint, and then as as they spent more time there, they'd start thinking more and more. You know, and that, like, on the, what they need, not on the, uh, what they need basis, not what they want, because I, the, the the downfall to that, and you have to be careful with. Uh, I, I was trying to explain to one of my friends about how resource based economy works. And the first thing that came to his mind, so if I want a Lamborghini, I can get a Lamborghini. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can, but the the object, the point is when you get to that point, you know, you wouldn't really want a Lamborghini because you don't have to have a car. You can just say, uh, hey, I need to go here and hop on a, a, a maglev or wherever. You can go around the world for free. Why would you even care to have a Lamborghini, you know? But they have... It, it, it's it's a lot of education that needs to um, go around to uh, these cultures because not only is the black culture into a lot of material things, but also um, just about every other culture. You know, it's just it's just a difference. You know, you have the black people who want their twenty twos. Um, I mean, I hate to sound like I'm being a stereotype, but you know, just hypothetically speaking, in my area, shall I say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the black people who want the old cars with the candy paint jobs in the biggest room that they can fit on their car. They don't care about how much gas they burn. Uh, they want to have the Coogee fits, which, you know, a pair of jeans costs like up to 110, 20, 200 bucks. And out here, you know, you have, you know, things like that. 
they have to it's all about education they have to learn that you know you don't need all this flashy stuff and it doesn't uh, the, the the what you spend on these clothes is not what they're worth it costs maybe like two bucks to make those jeans or i could show you how to make a pair of those jeans yourself and it'll cost a whole lot less than 120 dollars that's something I remember a lot. Like I brought that up in the homeschooling episode was that cuz I went to school in the, you know, in that area and those kids were obsessed with that stuff. You know, I remember like, you know, I'll just I already told this story, but just to kind of cap this off is like having Air Jordan sneakers was required for you to be a human being. Having Air Jordan sneakers that had the tag on them that proved that you bought them at Foot Locker and spent more money on them somehow meant that they were better. You know, they're the right. same damn shoes that you buy at Kmart, but they got the Foot Locker logo on them, so they mean that I spent more money. Oh, man, that was crazy. But, all right, we got some more callers. I'm going to go ahead and bring uh, 645. You're on the air. Uh, hello, Neil. Hi. Welcome to V Radio. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, yeah, this is Moses again. I wanted to uh, comment about um about the cultures. Like me, personally, I, I, I'm also African-American. And um, for me, I've always been like uh, the minority and the minority because I was an atheist like for like 17 years. And, you know, and then, you know, it's it's easy to see. Like for me, I come from a, like a pretty a pretty well-educated family, and they they uh, didn't really like a lot of white people either. And it, it was more like because of the mistrust that's happened all the time. Like one of my uncles personally, he changed his name. He went to Africa during apartheid to the point where they actually had to either kill them or kick them out, so they kicked them out the country. So, you know, they were, my family has a really deep looking into the, the culture and tradition of black people. And for a lot of them, it's easy to point out, you know, always look what someone else has done to them, so forth and so on. So it's a lot of it's mistrust, and then they pass that down to their kids. So, you know, when kids see other kids today, you know, they've, they've heard all these stories about, you know, how bad the white people are they're not, and they can't be trusted. So then when they get, you know, when they get to the time when they actually see them, you know, they, it's, they already – um, they already see it from a negative point of view. Like, you know what, this is what they did and this is what, you know, what happened. So that can play exactly. a, a part of it, too. A lot of it is education and getting past, you know, past rights or slavery. And, you know, and then when you look today, you know, all the white people, they have a whole bunch of stuff. And the only uh, 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 black people who have things, are, you know, they have their results in, like, physical activities as far as being athletes, you know, almost kind of like, like gladiators, you know, just use them for sport, and that's only good to good for. So I can, it, it's it's a hard thing that's going to have to be overcome, and then of course like other cultural issues about how we perceive money and and women and cars and music. Yes, it's 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 right. going to be really <laughs> tough. You know, as long as we're working towards it. Like even me personally, I just recently had um. Like my family, this person have a family website. You know, they have all this information about Black history and culture, and I'm I'm one of the youngest ones. And I just recently got a page on it. I'm gonna start, you know, putting out more information about things that are current with today. And so it's not um, focusing on the past, you know, because I'm always like, if you're always looking back in the past, you're gonna walk right into a wall because you're not gonna pay attention to it. So I'm trying to bring right. that that aspect in it as well. And I was talking to my mother, the person who raised me, educated woman, you know, and she told me something, you know, it kind of made me feel a little bad. She was like, well, you know, I'm not going to change if if they're not going to change and I'm going to wait till someone comes and lead us and so forth and so on. I'm sitting up there thinking like, oh, my goodness, like, uh 
this is the woman who raised me. She she sounds like a lunatic to me. That's, so you know, you know you're gonna it, find it, that a lot too. Oh yes, it, <laughs> it sucks. It's, it's really it, it can be really hard and frustrating at times. But it, I, I like um uh, what's the guy Neil Tyson who says that um we have to have a sensitivity to the way someone's thinking. It's the sensitivity plus the facts when cavals together create impact. So that's this is going to take some time. But as long, you know, long as you work on it. Yeah, you know, EJ, every time you come on my show, we end up doing this, and I keep remembering that I want to do a show specifically about the topic of reaching the the black culture and, and talking about it and, and the way that it works with the zeitgeist movement. And so, you know, to the to the other caller I'm talking to right now, Moses, um, make sure you get a hold of me on Skype. I'd like to have you as a panelist when we do that show. You know, I'll get okay. EJ back, and I'll get uh, Brandy on, and, you know, and if and if there's any listeners out there who happen to be you know, that's the funny thing is I see that a lot on my blog talk, that a lot of the pictures that I get, um, like, you know, because they show who listens. I know there are a lot of black people who happen to listen to my show. And if you have, when that when that show comes around, you know, uh, please feel free to call in so that we can talk about how to, you know, to help reach that culture. Because to be honest with you, it's my time growing up in the ghetto that got me ready for the resource-based economy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing motivated me more. <laughs> you know, but like, it, it, Go ahead, EJ. I was, I was just going to say, you know, it, it, and it's, it's the fact that, you know, some, t- some people, it takes um, certain things. Like if you had not, if you had been a rich kid, you probably wouldn't have been the, the Neil that I know today. Yep. You know? Um, and so I think that, you know, if we could just find a way to bring all of our experiences together so that we can just erase all of these uh stereotypes and all these uh, prejudices and just stupid ideas is what the best way I can explain it. You know, we, 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 even as a zeitgeist movement, we will not get so far because if you have some people like, uh, for instance, um, that, that what was going on on the Facebook, um, I forgot her name, but she kept saying that the zeitgeist movement was a sexist movement. And, you know, it's like, well, dang. Yeah, I remember that. So if if it all, all it takes is one virus to infect the whole, whole movement. And uh, yeah, just, just to tell everybody, that's the one who made the uh, the Facebook note that says racism and sexism in the zeitgeist movement. Code red alert <laughs> in all capital letters. She made it sound like you know we're just beating up black people and all you know just left and right and smacking the women around and I'm just like, whoa, put the brakes on. You know, just you saying that sensationalist thing is gonna make us all turn into witch hunters and chase down anybody. I mean, and that's kind of the personality she had. You could not talk to her and disagree with her without being one of two things. You're either a dominant male or you're a woman brainwashed by men that's you know it's like it's that same prejudice that you were talking about you know that you know it makes it hard to reach people um you know but it it was the same thing and i watched you know because like the funny thing about that whole episode was that it was the girl who started that group a woman asked me to come to the group for women to talk to this person because she was just going off and just alienating so many people. And so I went in with an open mind to see if maybe I could find a way to, you know, to calm her down. And I watched as she systematically talked to Doug Millette and 
and by the time it was finished, she's telling Doug he's a you know a sexist, you know insensitive to domestic violence, and just I was like, whoa, man, you are projecting so hardcore. No, but, no, um, see, nothing, nothing would make me more angry than telling me that I'm insens- insensitive to the excuse me, I can't even talk. I'm I'm so flustered about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I can't. I personally cannot stand a man who would hit a woman. It's like, why? You know, there, there's, there's, there's. I mean, if the woman's there beating you with a bat, okay, of course, defend yourself. But you come home off a hard day's work and say, "Honey, um, I forgot. I accidentally bleached your favorite shirt." And then you turn around and give her a right hook to the jaw, and you know, okay, that's like, you know. I think the term from your culture would be, "Oh, dang, it's on now." <laughs> Shoot. If I, I, hey, I know if a man would hit my mother, my mother, you know, my mother doesn't have to lift a finger. I'll probably be going to jail for her. So that that's that's how strongly I feel about men hitting women. There's there's no reason for that. Well, to, I don't want to get too much further on this tangent, but we can certainly talk about that later. But um, I do want to tell one quick story about how. It, because the the problem here is the is the witch hunt mentality. It can be true of anything. It can be race, race, gender. We have a witch hunt mentality against anybody who doesn't want to use drugs. In some angles, they're like, "Oh, you must be a you know brainwashed by propaganda, and you hate drugs, and you hate this, and you know they they'll go off on you, and they make they accredit all these beliefs to you that are not yours." And and I remember when it came to that Boadicea Sky Lady and her sexist stuff. She said, well, I think you're insensitive to the issue of domestic violence. And I said, how dare you? You don't even know me. I'm like, you want to know where my opinion of domestic violence comes from? When I was like 13 years old, my stepfather got drunk and was like beating my mother up. And I was pretending to sleep on the couch because I was terrified that I was going to be next. I was like, you don't know me. I, you know, just how dare you say something like that? And then she like replies with, ah, I see, well then obviously, seeing that stuff is what desensitized you. It's like nothing I could tell her would, would, would ever make me win. It was impossible. No matter what I said, if I was not agreeing with her 1,000% that everybody in the Zeitgeist Movement need to be as fanatical as she was about it, then we're doomed. You know, we're, we're all bad. And that's, just don't let yourself do that for any reason. It doesn't matter what it is. We told her egalitarian, 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 and it was never enough. Just like with the drug users, it's it's not going to be illegal. It's not going to be illegal. It's not going to be illegal, and that's not enough. Don't let yourself get so caught up in something that you become irrational and just look for the evil people all over the place. And it's where where I just I'm so sick of that paranoia, just you know, corrupting everything, every logical thought. So. In any case, folks, uh, we went through all of that and, and just heard somebody do something with their bag of chips. Um, I want to talk to, uh, you know, is, is there anybody else out there? We've got some time if anybody else wants to call in and give their, uh, um, you know, assessment of Zeitgeist moving forward. And uh, other than that, you know, once again, thank you everybody for tuning in to V Radio. Please visit vradio.org, v-radio.org. Um, and uh, be you know glad to uh, you know there you can find my archives, listen to shows like this one, all the different guests that I've had. You know now that the premiere has happened, maybe I'll be able to do that show I wanted to do where I get uh, Peter Joseph from Zeitgeist 
and Ben Stewart from Esoteric Agenda on at the same time. I'm going to try to invite other uh, um, hosts, and the and the point of that show is going to be um, the importance of independent, you know, documentaries and and you know, getting together and making them and and all of that. I did one about a little one about that. You know, when it came to smaller YouTube videos, I had say you know, say days ago, who's the guy who's going to help me with troll, uh, and uh, Doug Millet on for for stuff like that. Um, you know, he because he did a Awakening. And uh, in any case, um, other than that, my other future show concepts that I'm working on. Um, you want? Okay, somebody's asking if they add, you know, if they, if they added to Skype, they have to talk, or they can just listen. Um, well, I mean, it, it, there's really, I mean, if you're listening here, it isn't going to be any different. I mean, you can add me to your Skype no matter what. But it, it's VTV115. I have it available on my website so that I can answer questions as a spokesman because I know that. Jacques and Roxanne and Peter are not always available. Um, so, other things that I'm working on, I'm, I'm trying to get. Uh, there's another fellow from TED. Um, it works on some you know different technologies and stuff. And you know, and please keep bringing me these ideas for shows. Uh, if you have anybody that you'd like to hear on V Radio, just do me a favor and, and get me contact info. Don't just give me their names. Um, I've had a lot of requests for Annie Leonard. Um, that that basically just keeps flopping. I, I don't know what the story is. I think that basically they, you know, they're not interested in in co-promoting anything. Peter talked about that a little bit. I've had a lot of requests for Michael Rupert. Michael Rupert, uh, I emailed with him, talked to him, thanks to Peter, and he told me that uh, you know he's got his own radio show, so he doesn't want to go on anyone else's. Um, so I'm looking into it, guys, and, I, and there are a lot of people that I can get, but you know there are going to be people that I can't. So. Um, and basically that's it. Um, so in any case, uh, any closing thoughts about the movie from everybody on the call? I'm going to ask you first, Chibi. Uh, go see it if you haven't seen it. I don't know. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'll wait for it to come out. All right. All right. Um, any closing thoughts, EJ? Well, um, the only one I can say uh, which probably wouldn't pertain to anybody listening to your show, uh, before you make any judgments about the movie, watch the movie all the way through, you know. Um, they, they, you're going to always have that flack of people trying to, to um, discredit the movie, but never listen to what people say. Always find out for yourself as best as you can. Same with anything in the world, you know. Uh, always try to seek, seek the knowledge yourself. Don't just you know, go off of what someone says all the time. All right. Um, moving on to uh, Bob. Did you have any closing statements? Mr. Tuscan, are you still on the call? Oh, that's right. He might have dropped. Okay. Um, caller at 419, did you have any closing statements? I just have to agree with Chibi there. I'd say uh, go out and watch it. Okay, excellent. Uh, six four six. Did you have any closing statements? Um, I guess and just see the movie. <laughs> have a good night, guys. <laughs> good night. Thank you. These statements are profound. I, I have to think very deep, deeply about that. Um, seven two zero. I'm putting you on the air. Do you have any closing statements? Yeah, sure. I would definitely say that. Uh, 
you know, as soon as this movie is available so that we can start burning copies of it on DVD, we need to be giving out thousands and thousands of these to the public. We need to keep pushing, doing more screenings, and just keep saturating the public with this information. Because I can tell you that with our chapter meetings, we went from about 10 people in a coffee shop to about 30 people a meeting consistently now. So it will work. We'll keep pushing forward, but we just have to really be consistent and, you know, keep giving out, you know, compilations. Uh, like we've been making compilations with TED Talks and those, you know, RSA animate clips and things like that that are kind of, you know, pushing similar ideas so that it's not all just, you know, the PJ lectures or the PJ films, but kind of doing a mix of all this and just really making it as educational as possible. So, yeah, in a nutshell, we just need to keep saturating the public with this and it'll start to take off really well. And it's also catching on with the youth out here. So I would really say hit up the youth. That's a really good, uh, really yeah, good audience. Um, you know, that's actually uh, the Michigan chapter. We give out, like, we make, like, we kind of gauge the person before we decide what film we're going to give them because, like, there's some people who are not going to sit through a two-hour presentation, let alone a three-hour presentation. And, like, exactly. you, know, you kind of have to warm them up. Like, I, I tell, like, I might have somebody watch Story of Stuff because it's only 20 minutes long. <laughs> You know, or money as debt because that's only 45 minutes long. Um, another one that I use a lot here in the Michigan chapter, we give out copies of uh, Capitalism and Other Kids stuff because although um, at the end, I mean that that movie was put together by socialists, but I think it addresses that yes, the system's broken and and it is a problem. <laughs> so uh, you know that that's those are ex other examples of some films, and you guys can see a lot of those films in my must see TV list. You watch those for free on the air. So, um, in any case, uh, that's basically it, folks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, v Radio is still looking for donations for the month of January. I just got all the bills, actually. So, um, if you got any value out of this, you know, do me a favor and you know consider supporting V Radio. As I pointed out in the past. It, you know, out of the downloads that I get, if everybody gave a dollar fifty, it would actually be um, the, it would fill the the chip in of the projected of what I need like three times over, and I don't even need everybody to do it. So um, the other thing I wanted to point out to people is like I I've also taken to I'm just going to shut down chip ins if for some reason I don't need more money on a given month like I did with this last one for December. I got um, some money for Christmas, and I didn't need as much money as I thought I would, so I just went ahead and turned that one off. It was still mislabeled as January. I explained that on a previous show. I, I like it was either November or October that I accidentally skipped, and then I just kept mislabeling them. Um, so that's the situation with that. I'm working on getting my V Radio T-shirt thing going, so you guys can buy those. Uh, Jacques and Roxanne gave me permission to use their artwork for that stuff. I might make a calendar of like Venus Project artwork. They gave me permission to do that too. Um, you know, just stuff like that, but, you know, that way it's not just you handing me cash, you get something out of it. Um, also, uh, other ways that you can support V Radio are, for example, I do get ad revenue. It doesn't, it's not generally a huge amount, but, um, like, if you happen to like something that you see linked in one of the ads on either the blog talk or the, uh, or the blog thing, for example, uh, or, like, you'll also see sometimes I link, like, little... Amazon links that take you to different films or whatever or books that I might have a given show be about, um, you know, I, I get a small percentage of that in a revenue sharing thing, 
Um, so that's just something to consider, you know, for different ways that you can support what I'm doing. Because at this point, this is kind of it. I, you know, I've explained this already in other shows, so I don't want to get into it. For those of you who are not aware, you can go back and listen to my show. No, I mean it. The economy is failing. <laughs> it explains in depth, like, not just my uh, situation, but, I mean, it was kind of an, a personal editorial that I gave out to people to understand that, you know, these these are the things that motivate me because I'm watching the system crumble around me. I'm watching uh, uh, technological unemployment in Michigan. It's almost as if it's where it's where it was invented. <laughs> it's... Uh, uh, technological unemployment was invented in a in a Michigan because that's certainly what it feels like. Um, yeah, it's because this person wanted to be added. Somebody from Scotland. But uh, anyway, I was just getting ready to wrap up, and then somebody want I think might want to be added via Skype, and I'll, I'll give them a chance to answer. In the meantime, folks, uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And, um, you know, like I said, keep the uh, the show ideas coming. And um, if you would like to be a panelist on V-Radio, all you have to have is Skype. Um, it's free to download, and uh, it's free to use. You don't have to worry about calling phones or anything. It's free if you just want to talk to other people on it. I'm trying to get international panelists, so if you happen to be from another country, I would really like to have you on. I used to try to have somebody from, like, you know, everybody be from a different country, but it's it's proven harder to get people from Europe because of the time zone. You know, it's like 4 or 5 in the morning over there, I guess, when I usually do my show. Um, and I do it at 9 p.m. because that's when my kids are in bed. So, um, in any case, you know, the however... You know, if there are people from other countries who would like to come on, I can adjust that and and make the shows earlier, like I do when I have Charlie Veach on, for example. So, and also, you know, like uh, for example, the the Once Upon a Time in Mexico show came about because uh, you know my friend Al, you know, he's a guy from Mexico and and he wants to have his own show, and I really hope he does it. But he wanted to do a show about Mexico and about how Zeitgeist impacted Mexico, and more specifically about a lot of misconceptions that people had about that country. You know, if you come up with a cool show idea like that, I mean, he had a really awesome presentation on Mexican history and all kinds of interesting stuff. Do not hesitate to contact me if you would like to do that, because one of the other things that that can be a a burnout factor is just, you know, the reason I can't do this every day. I mean, I I made that statement, and I'm like, oh, man, do I regret that now? Because I don't want to give you guys crappy shows. And eventually somebody runs out of ideas, you know, and getting guests, is a is a daunting process. Like you guys like the guests that I give. Generally, I put out requests for probably twenty to thirty guests. No, that's not a good ratio. Ten to twelve guests, and then I get one or two out of that because a lot of them are too busy or they see that it's a blog talk show and they assume that it's like a guy who has no listeners, you know, or something like that. Even when I explain to them that I actually have thousands of listeners, they, you know, it's just that there's a stigma about it. Uh, because, you know, people do get requests from large quantities of people. Um, but, you know, it it really does take a lot more of your time than you might think to put on the kind of quality shows that I've been doing, especially if I'm writing my own blogs. That's like all I did today was write the uh, the review blog, and then I, the Loftner blog took a long time too. And it, even though you don't see it necessarily in the content, there's a lot of research that goes into it, a lot of search time. Um, and finally, uh, since the person from Scotland doesn't seem to want to be added, um, I wanted to say we really need more radio hosts. By no means do I want to be the only person doing this. So um, 
be sure that, you know, if you want to get into radio, you know, whether you want to use blog talk, if you want to use, you know, whatever, um, just give me, you know, I'm more than willing to help you, just like I helped EJ, you know, um, I'll help you get your show together, I'll come on your show, I'll help you promote your show, and, you know, let's get more people doing this, especially in other languages. I mean, it'll be good also to have people from other cultures, which is why I said it was so important for EJ to do his, because his culture is not as well represented. But, you know, even if you just happen to have the gift of gab, you know, but if, you, you know, but if you're from another culture and you can, especially if you're multilingual, it would be great if we had regular radio shows like this one. Um, there's something else that I'm working on that I wanted to tell people about is that uh, when it comes to spokesman stuff, I never wanted to be the only guy who does that. So if you're interested in that, you know, there are more people that I want to kind of help bring to the same level and, you know, get all the same information that I had so that more people can be doing this. That's always been my intention. We need to get everybody in the movement to that point because there have been a lot of move, you know, things that people have wanted to do in the movement that we're not really ready for yet, and it's largely because, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the movement who don't fully grasp these concepts. So if you want to do that, you know, I've had people contact me in the past, you know, what would you recommend that I watch, read, etc., you know, and I'm willing to help people with that. So that all being said, um, that was basically it, folks. Everybody say goodbye. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening. Yep. And I'm going to leave you guys with some parting words from Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.